For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Thank <laughs> you. 
out with your boyfriend or girlfriend. So chill out. I'm not asking you to break up with somebody today. I'm talking about breaking up with comfortable Christianity. Daniel 6 verse 1 says that Darius was hiring new people. 
He was bringing in his crew. And he's, he's surrounding himself with different administrators and officers. In verse 2, he finds new guys that he's appointing to high positions in Babylon. By the way, Israel was in captivity to Babylon. Babylon was the biggest empire. It was the Rome of its day. There was no one that could compete with Babylon. In fact, there were no other armies out there. It was a monarchy. And so Darius basically was king of the world. And here Daniel was in captivity. He was an Israelite, a Jew. And he was under captivity to the Persians, the Medes, the Babylonians. He was in a godless land, and yet God was about to promote him. And look at verse 3. It says that Daniel set himself apart. Very soon he proved over time how capable he was, more capable than all the other co-workers, administrators, and high officers. And because of Daniel's great skill and excellent spirit, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. I love that God was using Daniel, a godly man, in a godless nation. And he was changing the culture. Rather than letting the culture change him, he was changing the culture. And when you start to stand out, people notice it. In verse 4, it said that the other administrators and high officers, they began searching for some fault they could find in Daniel. They were jealous. They were hating on Daniel. Haters going to hate. But you better shake, shake, shake it off. So Daniel wasn't going to let their hate stop them. These guys hated him. They wanted to get rid of him. They were trying to find ways to accuse him. And it says that they couldn't find anything, that Daniel was trustworthy. He was faithful. He was responsible. And there was no fault they could find. So they concluded the only way we can get rid of Daniel in verse 5 is if we use his religion against him. Everybody say religion. The devil wants to use religion to separate you from God. He wants to find a way to get rid of you. It was religion that drove the Pharisees to put Jesus on the cross. You know, the, the story of Daniel is like a shadow of Jesus. Jesus went into the lion's den so that we wouldn't have to. He took our punishment. It was a pod that should have been on us. He took it upon himself. He was buried for three days and raised from the dead. Daniel was going down into the lion's den, not because he did anything wrong, but because these guys used religion against him. They said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a decree. And it says in verse 6, they came to the king. They said, King Darius, you're amazing. These guys had a man crush on King Darius. It was weird. They were, they were just really like brown-nosing him, just trying to make, them, make him like them. And so they said, long live King Darius. We're all in agreement. We've all been talking, all the officers and administrators. And we all agree. And by the way, Daniel was one of the administrators, and he was a part of this agreement. They said, we all agree that we all need to pray to you and you alone. For the next 30 days, if anybody prays to another God or another person besides you, King Darius, because you're amazing and we love you, if somebody prays to someone other than you, they must be thrown into the lion's den. And that wasn't just a den of one lion. It was many lions. In other words, their fate would be sealed. They would lose their life if they were to pray to any other God but King now, King Darius was busy. He had a lot of stuff going on. They caught him at the right time. He said, this sounds like a good idea. He had an ego like most kings do. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. I'll sign it. Seals it. And doesn't realize what he's doing. And these guys caught him off guard. So immediately this law was passed. And if anybody prays to anyone except King Darius for the next 30 days, they will be thrown into the lion's den. Verse 10, when Daniel heard about this law, 
When David learned about it and what the consequences were if he was to pray to his God, he went home, he knelt down as he usually did, and he opened his windows. Everybody say, open windows. And he prayed towards Jerusalem three times a day. What was Daniel doing? Daniel was saying, you don't control what I do with my life. You don't control what convictions I have. You don't change my character. You can change my name. You can take me in captivity, but you can't change my identity. I'm a child of God. I'm staying in communion with God. You can make me work in a godless country, but you can't take away my God. And so these guys see him. They see him praying. It says in verse 11, these guys watched Daniel from his house. They could see him. They could hear him praying and asking God for his help. Notice in verse 10 that Daniel gave God thanks before he asked God for help. When you pray, a model prayer is not to start off with, I need, I need, I need, but to start off with, thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. Because of you, I'm still breathing. Thank you, God. Now, may I request, there's some needs that I have. Daniel started with thanksgiving, then he went into his request. Do you know what prayer is? Bottom line, prayer, I can define it in one sentence. Prayer is dependence upon God. Prayer is dependence upon God. I can tell you at the core of why you aren't praying is because you think you can do this without God. The reason you don't pray that much is because you're trying to fight your own battles. You're trying to change your spouse. You're trying to change your kids. You think you can save your prodigal son. You are not the savior of the world. Only God can do it. Stop trying to fight all the battles by yourself. Depend upon God. That's why he's there. He wants you to call on him. You know, I think about some of you who have an alarm system in your house. The alarm system only works when you type in the code to activate it. It's there, but it won't work until you activate it. You know you have a provision, a protection. You have a deliverance from God, but you have to activate it by prayer. You have promises that God has already put out there, but the way you activate them is by praying to God, being in communion with God, depending upon God. Daniel was activating his alarm system. He was activating his provision. He was activating the promises of God before he was in the den. And so these guys, they see him doing it. They go to the king and say, did you know? Did you know that you signed the law? That anybody who prays to anyone except you, King Darius, for the next 30 days must be thrown into the lion's den? The king said, yes. And that law cannot be revoked. I signed it. They said, well, that man, Daniel, they couldn't even say his name, even though he was their supervisor. That man, Daniel, that you put in charge of stuff, he's been praying to his God. What are you going to do about it, King? King Darius was troubled. He was disturbed at this thought. He liked Daniel. He wanted to help Daniel. He began thinking of ways he could save Daniel and revoke the law, but he couldn't do it because man can't save man. Only God can. You can't save your spouse. Only God can. And so King Darius had to let go and let God. Even though he didn't really believe in God, he believed in Daniel. And so that night, the, the, the officers, the administrators, they came to King Darius and they said, King, it's time to get in. It's time to throw him in the den. Remember what he did? It's time. And so they arrested Daniel in verse 15. They brought him to a dungeon. I imagine it getting darker that night as Daniel was walking and he could hear the growls of lions. Show me some growls tonight. <laughs> These lions want to listen to cats. These were some ferocious lions. 
sometimes we read the Bible and we place these Bible characters as they're somehow stronger than we were. These stories are for us to be inspired. You know, we might not face natural lions out here, but we will face some ferocious attacks of the enemy. The Bible says that the devil lurks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So when you hear the story of Daniel, be inspired that an average man who prayed activated the supernatural power of God. So there's nothing you walk through that God can't deliver you from. You're not stronger than my God. My God can take you down. My God can take you down. My God can shut you down. My God can shut your mouth. Why are we running from lions that are smaller than the lion of the tribe of Judah? Why are we running from lions that we've been called to chase and destroy? There's a patience that God seems to have dwindled. Or maybe you have a desire to step into a deeper walk with God. If you don't know how to achieve it, Pastor Paul's new mini book, Stepping Into Revival, teaches you how to have a personal revival in your faith, your family, and your community. This book builds a personal revival and invigorates the life of a believer and a community and relationship. Stepping into revival reveals the spiritual steps that bring an intimate relationship with God and the practical ways to implement those steps in your life. Step into that deeper relationship with God. Get your free copy today as I give to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online. I wonder what lines you're facing. I know that night Daniel was not just staring at the face of one lion, but he was staring at the face of many lions. I want you guys just to turn around the cards that you're holding, the names of these lions that maybe you're facing. Accusation comes at us. Hate. Hate tries to get inside you, tries to condemn you, tries to make you angry with other people, tries to get you hateful towards other people, shame, you're going to carry around that regret, you missed it, that guilt, you need to hold on to that shame on you, shame on you, we know what you did in your past, I can go on and on, there's so many different lions that we face, some of you are facing a lion named loneliness, nobody cares for you, nobody cares for you, Nobody's coming to your hospital. Nobody's coming to your funeral. Nobody's showing up for you. You're all by yourself, Daniel. All alone. Where's your friends now, Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't in on this with you. You're all by yourself. Some of you are battling blind of loneliness, as a single, as a widow, maybe a single parent. Maybe you're younger in this room, older in this room, and you just hear that lion roar. They get closer Like, you think you're going to encounter a lion? Because I don't know. What happens, though? What do I do? I sit there through with rocks. I kind of handle a lion in the wild when there's no cage to be with a lion. Right. 
Don't you run from the enemy. Don't you run from the temptation. Don't you run from the accusation. Don't you curl up in a ball and hide and act like the enemy is going to overwhelm you. Don't run from Goliath. Save the lions. Save the giants. You're not bigger than my God. You're not greater than my God. You're not stronger than my God. My God can take you down. My God can take you down. My God can shut you down. My God can shut your mouth. Why are we running from lions that are smaller than the lion of the tribe of Judah? Why are we running from lions that we've been called to chase and destroy? We're not called to run from lions. We are called to run from the darkness. We are called to run into the darkness with the light. Come on, Jesus. The third thing that she said, and this is going to get the 11 a.m. excited, she said, make some noise. Make some noise. This is all true. You can Google it. What to do when you face a lion in the wild? Don't panic. Don't run. Make some noise. She said, when that lion starts to charge you, you've got to make yourself loud and big. Start clapping. Start shouting. Start shaping. Hey! Oh, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. How great is our God? His name is Yahweh. He is the great I am. He's the first and the last. Alpha and Omega. So when you make some noise, that's when you start to praise and worship and pray. We're going to do that in just a moment. What do you do when you're facing the lions of fear, doubt, lack? Some of you right now are facing a lion named lack. Behind you. Come on over there. <laughs> you said, yeah, make <laughs> hey, I can't give to God. I, there's no bills for I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it financially. I'm just losing. I'm losing. This lion is eating me alive. This lion called black to destroying me and my family. Down in nothing. When you have God, you're never down to nothing. You always have the upper hand. When you have God, you and Him are the majority against the collectors. You and Him are the majority against the bills. Make some noise. I believe you prayers. There's an airport in South Carolina or North Carolina. There's an Air Force base where loud jets fly into this airport base. And out in front, there's a big sign, billboard, that says, Pardon the noise, that's the sound of freedom. I love that. Church, we need to remind the devil. You need to give a brave heart freedom shout. You need to remind the devil what Jesus has done for you. Lord, we praise you. The fourth thing she said is stay ready and alert. Stay alert and ready. You never know when the lions might attack. They're not tunnels. They don't sleep through the night. They're prowling around. They want to catch you off guard. 
So we can rest. We, we don't have to panic. We don't have to be afraid because the one who neither sleeps nor slumbers is watching over you, just like he watches over Israel. Yet we must not become so prideful thinking, no lion's going to get me. I don't need accountability. I don't need to go to church. I can coast for the next 12 months. I don't have to read my Bible or pray. No, no, no. Stay ready. On a daily basis, stay alert. Stay alert. His patient tries to catch you off guard. The fifth thing she said, and this was her final point, she said, fight back if he charges. And I thought, are you serious? She said, yeah, if he throws a claw, you throw a claw. I was like, I don't have claws. So, I'm like, you sound like George of the Jungle. I am not George of the Jungle. I cannot fight lions. She said, if he fights, we fight. There's something about fighting the lion back that makes the lion step back. Because the lion doesn't expect you to do anything. It expects you to surrender and die. But when you start to fight back, Ephesians 6 12 says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark world. How do we fight? We fight with prayer. We fight with praise. We fight with worship. We fight by speaking the Word of God, living on the Word of God. Every day, man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God in His Word, there is life. And I added this last point. She didn't give it. This is the God factor. Trust in God's supernatural power. What did Daniel do? He trusted in the God factor. He trusted in the supernatural power of God. So that night, Daniel's left in the lion's den, surrounded by lions. These were hungry lions. The next day, they would be eating Daniel's enemies. And the enemies wouldn't even touch the ground before they were ripped to pieces. These lions were ferocious and hungry, but there's this some beef that's not edible, and it's the children of God. You can't touch the Lord's anointed. You can't touch the Lord's anointed. When you do, you better watch out. You're a child of God. They can't touch you. You can't snatch you out of God's hand. That night, Daniel rested. And the next day, King Darius came in. He opened up the seal and maybe he could see the lions growling. Maybe he wasn't sure if he could see Daniel in the shadows. And he said, Daniel, as your God, who you serve so faithfully, been able to rescue you and deliver you from the lions. Maybe there was a car. The next verse, you could feel it in the heart. All of a sudden, Daniel shouts back, Long live the king, Roger! has shut the mouths of these lions. He shut the mouths of these lions. Oh, King, I'm an innocent man. I'm a righteous man. And that day, Daniel was delivered from the mouths of the lions. Give these guys a big hand. Thank you so much. And what God did for Daniel, he can do for you. God knows how to shut the mouths of lions. God knows how to stop whatever the enemy is trying to bring against you. I've seen it in my life. Where there was times I thought, how am I going to get out? How am I going to escape this situation? How am I? I've done what Daniel did. Not every time have I done it perfectly, but soon enough I figure out, I can't fight this on my own. I need God's help. Just when like Daniel got on his knees and began to pray, and just thank God, he was a praying man. I've shut them out blind. I've seen God stop this enemy in my life, and I can see God stopping the enemy in your life. I can see God rescuing you right now. Whatever situation you're in, God wants you to deliver you, but He wants you to turn your face, turn your heart, turn your eyes towards Him. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Lord, 
God, I fix my heart on you. Lord, I thank you right now that you're with me, that you're for me, and God, that you are on my side. So, Lord, I trust that you're working all things together for good. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray that prayer, I'm telling you, get ready. God's about to send help. He's going to bring angels to deliver you, rescue you. And it's all about what you heard today. Prayer and looking to God and seeing God act on your behalf. And I want to sing this to you. All or go to our website, callboardy.org, and request it today. And we will send it to you because we want to help you step into revival. Thanks for watching today. Thanks for supporting this ministry. We can't do this without you. Never forget your best days are right in front of you. Is it passion for God came to have dwindled? Or maybe you have a desire to step into a deeper walk with God. But do you know how to achieve Pastor Paul's new name book, Stepping Into Revival, teaches you how to have a personal revival in your faith, family, and the community. So, move your first personal revival, reinvigorate the life of a believer, and a community and relationship between the people and the knowing God is secret, stepping into revival, to your third step. Intimate relationship with God. In the practice of the Lord, the temple is your step in your life. Step in your life. This is three copies of the day. Today, you, my calling one, you have your seventh visit. We hope that you've been with us this ministry for you, encouraged you, challenged you, been hard to speak into, we won't take this lightly. And we love the work of you, so write us. Call us through our website. It's on the screen right now. And we love the future to And never forget your family. You have ways of thinking well off in your mind that are keeping you
I want to complete the message uh, that we began, uh, which is how to surrender your kids to God. Now, uh, to get there, we're going to have to do uh, a little bit of review. And uh, so we've already kind of uh, centered our thoughts on God's Word, but if you want to find where this message is rooted, I think you're going to want to just turn back one book to the beginning of it all, which is the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, uh, we find uh, a scene of desperate longing. Uh, The word desperate means a lack of hope, a leading to recklessness. People do crazy things when they're desperate. And uh, Abraham and Sarah had received a promise from God that having gone through um, the fall in Genesis 3, kind of a refall in Genesis 6 and 7 with the destruction of the earth through Noah, then the scattering of the people to the ends of the earth in Genesis 11, uh, God said, having uh, failed to have a planet uh, full of people that will honor and serve me as their greatest priority, let's go just for a people, a group of people within the nations, and we're here today wanting to be those people who are saying with our words and with our actions and with our lives and with our giving and with our time and all of it, we are wanting to say uh, God is first. And God called here Abraham, uh, Genesis 12, 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go out from your country, your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I'm just trying to keep my family following the Lord. I have never honestly had the thought of actually starting a nation. How many people have never actually thought themselves about starting a nation? Right. Now, I will say occasionally things get so crazy in Washington, I think it would be nice to find an island somewhere and, and, and start over, but I, I always think of us doing it together. I never think of me being all by myself. I'm the father of a nation. But you know this, even though I've never been to any nation-building seminars or, or read any books on nation-building, I do know this, that if you're going to build a nation, um, the, the matter of, of uh, offspring uh, is important. We'd have to go fairly high on the list. I mean, you can gather all the food and build all the buildings you want, but if you don't have no kids, you don't have a nation. True or false? So as uh, a year became a decade, became two decades, became 25-plus years, they still only had God's promise. Now listen, there's some people in that church today, I know that it's true, and all you have is God's promise. You don't really have almost anything you can point to as an indication that the things that you long to see God do, that he's going to do them. You're still left with the promise, nothing really to prove that it's going to happen. And that's where Abraham was until, as we studied uh, two weeks ago, um, finally the Lord coming to Abraham in his 99th year, and a year from now, your wife, she had been barren all her life. She'd never birthed any children at all. And and, uh, incredibly, she was 10 years younger than him. So... Here she is, um, well into her double ARP card carrying days, and and now she's going to have a child. In fact, the scripture goes out of the way to say delicately that um, the uh, way of women was no longer with her. And uh, so when she heard, she laughed, and we talked about how Abraham came in after he had spoken with the Lord. He's like, well, what are you laughing for? I said, I didn't laugh. He said, you did laugh. And and uh, that's in Genesis 18, uh, 15. And, uh, but sure enough, just as the Lord is always faithful, what seemed like forever comes in the end fairly quickly. And uh, Genesis chapter 21, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. 
Or could I just prophesy over you? I don't be too afraid. I, we believe that uh, Peter actually said that we have a more sure word of prophecy than you do all the taking to. And I believe that the primary gift of prophecy in our day is the speaking of God's word. But when I say uh, prophetically, I want to speak prophetically, I mean that I want to speak to you with a heightened sense in your heart that possibly the Lord would speak through this. So may I speak uh, prophetically to you from this scripture, and might I suggest that Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, will, in God's timing, be the testimony of your life. All right? So I'm looking at uh, Pastor Jeff over here. And Pastor Jeff, I, we're dear friends, and I know uh, not only uh, who you are publicly, but I know you are the same man privately. I know some of the things that are very dear to you, very important to you, and I just want to say that this is how it's going to end. The Lord visited Jeff as he has said, and the Lord did for Jeff as he had promised. That's your future. Okay? And, and for every person who walks by faith, all right, that's coming for you. You've got to know it's coming from you. And even if you don't see the entire fulfillment, some of you are going to see the last chapter of that from the balcony in heaven. And even though you're like, I kind of wanted to see it here. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a good seat. That's all I'm saying. And, and, and it's coming. And to live like that and to know that and to believe that, that's what God was asking of Abraham. And that's what he's asking of us. And the way to get there is through surrender prayer. So what began as a scene of desperate longing and then became a scene of delightful laughter began as we studied last time. It eventually became, in chapter 22, a dangerous love. Because once that child named laughter, Isaac, whose name means laughter, once Isaac was born, um, I mean, Abraham was a pretty well-off guy. If you waited until you were 100 years old to have your, your son, how much time would you spend with him? Trust me when I tell you, this kid was signed up for every lesson. They were fishing, they were hunting, they were climbing, they were going to summer camp. Were, whatever was available to do, what? They were doing it. And, and somewhere along the line, the father's heart got so knit to the son's heart that as Tozer says, God had to step in and rescue this from peril. So God can look into our souls and see that which threatens our very existence and most certainly our happiness. God has stepped in to remove the lump between Abraham and Isaac that threatens the very purpose for which God had brought them together. For additional resources or to request today's message, call 1-800-545-6800 or go to jamesmcdonald.tv. Now stay with us. There's much more teaching ahead from James McDonald here on Walk in the Word. Raising kids in today's world can be hard sometimes, Thank you. 
us. And I'm so thankful for this. We always knew the marriage was first. We were always that, not as that, you know, um, sweaty palm, lump in my throat, can't wait to be with our marriage. I feel like that today after all these years. And, you know, so much good comes from that. A lot of the blessing in your family flows out your kids from the priority of a Contact us right now, and we'll send you a message to make over two CD set. A special resource between some of James McDonald's most requested teachers on marriage. Get ready to spark the passion, bang on the flame, and feel the fire that pushed you to say the words, I do, in the first place. Because whether you're on the mountaintop of intimacy or in the valley of unhealthy conflict, these messages will strengthen and encourage you in your Your marriage makeover has begun. If you call now, we'll also send you a copy of today's broadcast of your order. Get the marriage makeover two CD set and the bonus copy of today's broadcast. And because Pastor James's ministry overflows with so much powerful marriage and family instruction, we want to send you additional resources for your gift of eighty dollars or more. This collection includes the entire Ten Commandments of Marriage teaching series on DVD, a two DVD titled Family Matters, and a beautiful blueprint of the McDonald family values of suitable planning. Is it time to bring your family back together again? These resources will be transformational tools as you seek to build family relationships that honor God and one another. We hope you'll get a hold of this collection and maybe even share it with a friend or loved one. Ask for the Marriage and Family Collection when you call 800-545-6800 or go now to jamesmcdonald.tv. Notice in the text, Genesis 22, verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. Well, let me get back for those of you who aren't familiar. He appeared to him, Abraham, almost as though he hadn't been talking to God very much. He was so focused on his son. He said, here I am. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, Genesis 22:2, whom you love. Interesting how God goes out of his way to comment on the affection between the father and the son. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. A very specific mountain. The mountain upon which the city of Jerusalem would be built. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, Isaac, and on the story goes. He leaves the servants that are helping them behind in verse 5. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. See that expression of faith? Hebrews says that Abraham believed that God was able to raise him up again. Even Isaac's puzzled about the absence of a... I love the way the son says it to his father, so lovingly and tender. Behold, the fire and the wood, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And one of the most beautiful and oldest portrayals of the gospel in all of scripture. I hope you have that underlined in red, or at least uh, Jesus written in the margin here. Abraham said, Genesis 22, 8, God will provide for himself the lamb. Everyone say, Jesus, for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, and verse 10, Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son, the unthinkable. Hey, how... how <laughs> How come God, I mean, really, 
I gotta say, this is really right on the edge of "Are you kidding me?" Does anyone have that little bit of "Are you kidding me?" thing going on in this? Um, why did God? Why did God need to know that He was loved above Isaac? Why did God need to know that? I'm not making this up as I go. I have some things written down, but I'm. Causing to give you a chance to think about it. What would you say if you had to say? Don't say it out loud, but do you have an answer? Why did God need to know that Abraham loved him more than Isaac? We'll start here. God doesn't need to know anything. He did know. This wasn't about God knowing. This is really about, even though it's expressed, for now I know, really the knowing was about Abraham knowing that God knew that he knew. He was bringing immense clarity to something that had become very cloudy. I wrote down some additional thoughts. Um, Why did God need to know he was loved above Isaac? Number one, not because he's insecure. That's for sure. And I don't think I'm thirsty anymore. Oh, no. God is self-existent. The entire totality of the human race lumped together through all of human history has added exactly nothing to God's satisfaction in himself. But we have added, we have added a fair amount of grief. So not because he was insecure that I just hate these ways that we bring God down to our level. Uh, secondly, not because he was envious of their relationship. Man, I used to be like that with Abraham. Now there's kids here, and now we don't have that awesome thing we used to have. Um, God is a jealous God, but jealousy is only a sin if you want something that isn't yours, and nowhere in all the universe can our mind go or our eyes fall and look upon even a single square inch about which God cannot declare that is mine. And so uh, God's jealousy is uh, tied up in his wanting everything properly inventoried and in its place. And his jealousy is that which causes him to continually order things properly, not for his sake, but for our own. Not because he had any pleasure, certainly in the momentary pain of Abraham and Isaac's fear, though God does allow pain for a greater outcome. Make a note of this. Um, because God knew that a love which places anything above God is a love that destroys. That's why. Because just as a doctor can look uh, into a chest cavity and say, that's healthy tissue, that's a tumor, it needs to come out. So God can look into our souls and see that which threatens our very existence and most certainly our happiness. God has stepped in to remove the lump between Abraham and Isaac that threatened the very purpose for which God had brought them together. A love which places anything above God is a love that destroys. Without God at the very center, love becomes twisted and controlling children now. Without God at the very center, 
Love becomes twisted and controlling and self-serving and destructive. Now, that's how we began. That's the end of our review with some additional content added, a desperate longing of a rightful laughter of dangerous love. Uh, loving our kids uh, more than God is understandable. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that certainly hasn't been a struggle in my life, and I think loving anyone that we can see more than we love God whom we cannot see is certainly a challenge. And we see our kids. John 4, 20 says, For if you do not love um, your brother whom you've seen, how can you love God whom you've not seen? So there the scripture itself is saying, how on earth you can't even you can't even love a person if you can have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody. If you can't even love people, then how could you possibly love God? You can see people, you can't see God. So there it is, biblically stated, John four twenty. It's easier to love someone you can see. And uh, boy, do we do we see our kids, right? And when they're little, and and I can remember Kathy calling me home, and I don't know, probably like maybe the. End of February 1992, three preschoolers, none of them in school yet, end of winter, can't take this no more, you need to come home, and this only happened maybe, I don't even know, it's maybe the only time it's ever happened in my whole life, but uh, I won't forget the voice, you need to come home now. Trust me when I tell you, I didn't return any more phone calls, I, I, uh, I got home. And, and uh, we see our kids from sun up to sundown. They're underfoot. They're asking and laughing and crying and needing and playing and visible. And as they grow, I think when my kids were in elementary school, I thought that this, this, this will go on forever. When they were in high school, I prayed that it wouldn't. And when they were in college and into their adult lives with their own families, I was surprised how entirely and in some ways increasingly connected we still were and are with them. And so um, loving our kids more than God is understandable. We see our kids. But I think this needs to be stated. I'm just going to give you three reasons here. The second one is our kids feed us. Can we just acknowledge that we get something from our kids? Leave me up here like this. You guys do that sometimes. I say something and then you look at me like, I really have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know why it happens because I think that's very self-evident, but I've got to just give you what you just gave me. Wait, I'll do it again. I said because our kids feed us. And I mean, I didn't look in the right place, but, but this was the totality of you. <laughs> so I'm not sure what I'm getting wrong here, but... Um, they're our offspring, our flesh and blood. In an earthly sense, we made them. And uh, I remember the birth of each of our three kids, like it was yesterday, and uh, their successes. I mean, who, who hasn't had the seeing their kid get a hit, seeing their kid make a basket, seeing their kid, you know, kick a goal, paint a painting, play a note, act a part, and, and just felt like, Man, I don't know how I'm going to be able to tell my sister my kids had it for Broadway. <laughs> you know? I mean, that was so awesome what they just did. The, the world is not ready for my child. 
and you know what I'm saying? And and that that they 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 feed us something comes from their success, their effectiveness, their qualities that is meaningful in a way that other things are are not. They feed our egos, they feed our emphasis. A lot of times our kids will just pick up on our passions. If you like sports, then probably you have some kids who like sports, and if you like music, and if you like, if you love the Lord, I mean, it just goes right down the line, and we influence them, and they pick up to some degree, even within the boundaries of their individuality, they pick up on some things, and, and, uh, or what's worse than seeing the parent on the soccer sideline, you know, I could have made it big, my kid's going to make it big, and we're all terrified of you. And you know, pace it up and down the sidelines, and, and, and next season I'm going to be the coach. Yeah, we're going to be on a different team. <laughs> and, 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 right? And, and that, that person, are you that person? Seems that we're not able to see that as clearly in ourselves. And uh, the word goes vicariously. It's a beautiful word when we think about Jesus Christ, vicarious payment for sin. It means that he was, um, we get what he did, we get it. And um, parents, though, that are trying to live vicariously through their children are trying to experience in a deeper way, a fuller way, a fresher way, something that can't be theirs anymore, but they want to relive it through their children. Contact us right now, and we'll send you the Marriage Makeover 2-CD set, a special resource featuring some of James McDonald's most requested teaching on marriage. Married for over 30 years and more in love than ever, James and Kathy McDonald have a growing marriage that is healthy and happy because they have followed the recipe, and you can too. Call now to order your copy of this unique marriage instruction, never broadcast through Walk in the Word, and never preached like this at his own church. If you call right now, we'll also send you a copy of today's broadcast with your order. Get the Marriage Makeover 2 CD set and a bonus copy of today's broadcast. And because Pastor James' ministry overflows with so much power for marriage and family instruction, we want to send you additional resources for your gift of $80 or more. Included in this life-changing collection is the entire Ten Commandments of Marriage teaching series on DVD, a two-DVD set titled Family Matters, and a beautiful art print of the McDonald family values suitable for framing. These resources are going to bless you and be transformational tools for you and your family. We hope you'll get a hold of this collection and even share it with those you love. Ask for the Marriage and Family Collection when you call 800-545-6800 or go now to jamesmcdonald.tv. So we're talking about kids and family, and I have asked, I have demanded, I'm just kidding, that we can show a picture of my kids. Um, that's Ezra, he's two, and that's Violet Grace, and she is only three months old. Oh, i got to say Ezra's middle name. His middle name's James after my dad. He would have gotten mad if I didn't say that, just kidding. So as we're doing this teaching together, uh, I'm trying to personalize it and know that, you know, uh, surrendering your kids to God is something that we all have to do and get the privilege of being fathers and mothers to our kids, and it's not easy. And I want you to know that I'm right there with you in it. Whichever parts of the message were super convicting to you, I would challenge you right now, don't like take the TV off and like go do your thing. Take a second and pray and actually do it. 
Surrendering isn't something you think or feel. It's something you do. And I would challenge you to surrender your kids to God in this moment, as hard as that may seem and as hard as that may feel, and stay in the scriptures. Thank <laughs> you. 
he actually predicted it. We see that in Mark 8.31, Mark 9.31, Mark 10.32 and 34. He predicted his violent death and resurrection. And then he went a step further. He actually did resurrection himself. When we read about Jairus' daughter, when we read about the widow of Nain's son, this is where your question is so excellent. Because when we don't understand Judaism, when Jesus walks up and touches the buyer in the funeral processional, he was violating Jewish burial traditions, Jewish laws. He was unclean. Jesus transcended all of that religiosity, and he said, stand up, and the boy literally sat up. Can you see it in your mind? And then the most probably stupendous miracle of all next to Jesus and resurrection, of course, you know, Lazarus. He's dead four days. In the Jewish context, he could not have been more dead. In Jewish burial traditions, they believe the spirit of the dead hovered over the body for three days. And after three days, even the face changed and the spirit left. And so when people see that Lazarus has been dead four days and Jesus says, come forth, people are shocked. And is it any wonder they are? And so I think it's a great question. And we see you know, 25% of the Roman Empire sick, dying, or need immediate medical attention on any given day. It says we're talking about the fact that if you're going to start a movement, the least likely thing to build a movement on at that point is somebody who's uh, dead and is alive, but that's just not. I mean, it's like there's so many things against. Mm-hmm. I mean, the men who were afraid were transformed into these bold speakers. So people watching in, you know, a lot of who lives in, I don't know, mm-hmm. somewhere in Iowa, how does a resurrection centric state? impact her life today. Absolutely. Well, Romans 8 says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead indwells us. Only because of the resurrection, Jesus, or Paul could say in the Colossians, Jesus Christ in the hope of glory. It gives us a hope and energy that allows us to transcend all of life's momentary difficulties. And I think until we understand that, we will really just be on the sideline of our faith. We get really motivated when we realize we're not just living for today, we're living for tomorrow as well and eternity because of the resurrection. And I think it's so important in a time of hyper-skepticism, we're living in a post-Christian culture, Christians have to believe every follower of Jesus, not just Delta Force Christians like Sheila Walsh, but all of us. We have to be able to give a reason for the hope that's in us. Jude 3 says that we are to contend for the faith. That's a good reason why in Greek it means continue to attack. We have too many Christians on the retreat, and guess what? We need the way the evidence. It's amazing when we see that the evidence the skills of truth tip in our favor. By golly, Jesus did physically and bodily raised from the dead. And I love the way that speaks to our culture right now, that our resurrection-centric faith impacts how we view the handicap, right. how we view um, a child who lives for five days. Well, in those days, they had no respect for when a pure dead body was just thrown out. But believing in the resurrection impacts how we view every other human soul. You're absolutely right. In Rome, body dumping was a huge problem. I mean, 1,500 bodies a year were just left. You know, you would free your slave the day before your slave died. And literally, people would just sidestep dead bodies. What stopped this evil practice and others? Well, a couple of things. Christians came along believing that everyone is made in the image of God. They have inherent value. A teacher, a rabbi, Jesus, said, let the little children come to me. What pushes back infanticide? What pushes back racism? It really is introduced. 
news from the classical authors. What is it? It's Christianity, and it is this resurrection-centric Christianity that we care about the body, we're going to honor it from birth all the way into death and burial. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's fascinating, actually. We see nearly a million Christians buried together in the city of Rome in the first, really before the Edict of Toleration in 83 or 13. Yeah, we talk about even the word for cemetery. That was fascinating. for that. Well, it's interesting. You know, again, we don't know these things, but when you look at the Greek word cemeterion, which means cemetery, we drive by cemeteries, we drive by cemeteries on the way home tonight, and we don't realize that that is a Christian-centric term. There are other words in Latin that were used for burial, mausoleum, memoriam, we see a sepulcher, those were the three main words, but the Christians actually wanted to be buried together because, after all, it was just a temporary departure, and so they say, we're going to actually come up with a new term, cemeterion, which means dormitories, sleeping rooms, because we will again arise with our Savior. Isn't that fascinating? So every time you see a cemetery, that has the step of resurrection. How does the belief in the resurrection impact somebody who's struggling right now? You know, like, where are you going? I'm, I'm really struggling. How does a profound understanding and placing the resurrection at the center of who we are speak to that? Sure, we've seen as, as we meet people when we speak, we hear people who have gone through profound tragedies. I was recently speaking in Santa Cruz, and a sweet couple walked up to me, and they had just driven home from a Luis Palau beach fest. They were hit by a drunken driver. Their two daughters, age 14, age 16, were instantly killed. The mom barely survived. The women were not only drunk, also high. How do you survive something like that? Not only did they survive, this happened just a few weeks after 9-11, they said because of the resurrection, we found the woman's first name, Lisa, after she served her prison sentence, we wrote the prayer officer. We asked the prayer officer, can we come to Lisa when she's released? They said, we never had a request like this. After all, she killed your two, your only children. They said, we would like to forgive her. Wow. They met her, they embraced her, and I asked her and I said, how were you able to do that? I'm a father of five. She said, how did you even said the resurrection of Jesus? Wow. The promise is that it is just a temporary goodbye. And Jesus, because he's forgiven us, we can forgive Lisa for even something this, this, this much of a tragedy. And I think that that is emblematic of what I talk about in the book, is that it will give you faith to transcend this difficult circumstance, resurrection-centric life. Why do you think there's so few sermons on the resurrection? But other than Easter Sunday and maybe at a funeral, you very rarely hear about the resurrection from the pulpit. Yeah, it's really sad. I think that unfortunately we're living in times where I'm very concerned for what passes for a sermon today. And that's why I so appreciate your Bible teaching. We have to preach the entire counsel of God's word and we see how prevalent the resurrection was, it was always on the tip of every tongue. You can't read, if you try to pull out the resurrection passages in really all 27 books, it would not be coherent. You would not be able to truly understand. This is how unique it was. Truly, every Sunday was a resurrection Sunday. Actually, that's why the church began worshiping on Sunday, not an off day in the first century. They said, that's the day the Lord rose from the day, the Lord's day. Sunday. We're going to celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. And so I think we need to get past just the formality of Easter, and when we unlock that, we go to new life, our spiritual life. Let's touch on one more area. Um, and honestly, when I first read this, I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. Paranormalcy. 
And you talk about the fact that we live in a culture that is saturated with the paranormal. Why do you think that's so? Well, when you think about the fact that the paranormal has become the new normal, and I'm talking about, when I say paranormal, that's a trendy term, I'm talking about the spirit world, the demonic. 71% of Americans claim to have personally had a paranormal experience. Nearly 40% of Americans believe in ghosts. And unfortunately, when we don't have a biblical centrism, we forget that Jesus, when it comes to exorcism, this was no sidebar issue. When Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of heaven, two things happened. There were miracles and there were exorcisms. And what's amazing is Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authorities were given to me, I give it to you. And so unfortunately, you know, some people get freaked out when we talk about paranormal. We don't understand the authority that we have. But then we can, there's such a lure to it. I buried, as a pastor, I officiated the funeral of my next-door neighbor's 14-year-old son. And I will never forget when the sweet couple met with him. Really, until I left, Jeremiah, we have to talk to our son again. Would it be okay if we saw a psychic? So, you know, we ridicule people at the very end. Yeah. And I was able to open the word of God, 2 Corinthians 5, where it's absent with the body. Your son is present with the Lord right now. And yet, we need to understand, again, Jewish burial traditions. We need to understand what Jesus, the great exorcist that he was, and then we actually see the authority that we have in Christ. Yes, you said it. I thought it was kind of funny, but true. You said that we have the most educated yet the dumbest church. It's true. We have access to so much. You know, we have so much learning and understanding. Well, why do you say that in some ways we are the least educated? Well, it's an exciting time to be a Christian, Sheila. 70,000 people a day are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, the church, the church is growing rapidly and expanding rapidly. Unfortunately, that is happening in non-Western countries. The church is regressing in the West. And it is regressing because, unfortunately, we don't have a thinking faith. The church is seen as irrelevant, passe. You know, not, not into what I'm dealing with in my life today. It's just so irrelevant. And, unfortunately, we've lost the spirit of the early church fathers, if you if you will, who simply they outthought everybody around them. They they were the thinkers. They were the thought leaders of the day. And again, after all, we talked about apologetics in our last program. All apologetics is, and that doesn't mean we're apologizing for the faith. By the way, it means we're giving a hope and apology, a reason for our faith. Apologetics, the point of it, is to make sure our faith connects up well with the questions our culture is asking today. In the second century, they questioned. They thought that Christians were atheists. They thought Christians were cannibals. Atheists because they didn't worship the Roman emperor. Cannibals because they didn't understand the communion, the Lord's supper. But we have different questions today, like what we've been discussing in these programs. And as Christians, it was up to every single one of us to be able to give an answer for the hope that was in us. That was in us. When we do that, that's when things get really exciting. You know, it's interesting, if you talk about the fact that um, we used to talk about Satanism, mm-hmm. but that word has been kind of pushed to the background now, and paranormal descends, it's a lot, it's a lot prettier. Yeah. And um, what do you say to someone who says, well, I'm not really involved in the spirit world, I just read my horoscopes. You know, I just dealt with a few things. Right? That's a great point, because there is such an allure to the paranormal world, but here's what I would say, and, and not just research, but an experience, and speaking with so many different people, 
it is a slippery slope. And the minute you open the door to the demonic world, it is very difficult to close it. And so we should get rid of all the demonic paraphernalia in our house. We should not entertain that. I want to know God's will is for my life. I don't need to read a horoscope. I need to read the Word of God. I need to pray. I need to allow God's Holy Spirit to speak to me and show me what His will is. I don't need, you know, any kind of charms or anything else to tell me that. Yeah. Um, God has promised to reveal that to us. James 1, 7, if we were acquisition, let us ask from God and He'll give it to us. So what would you say to somebody um, watching this program and maybe they're a little shocked? They're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize this was a big deal. What do, what do I do? Well, the first thing I would say is first we need to realize the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. The New Testament addresses the issue of the paranormal again and again and again. Satan has no power over you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's very important that we remember that. I mean, when we realize that the sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19, it's that cryptic passage where the demon actually sends says to the Jewish exorcist, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, who are you? They went in there and they tried to do it in their own power. And a lot of us, we try to attack the demonic, or we try to combat it, rather, in our own power. What did Jesus do? Jesus exercises a demon. He doesn't need any phylacteries or interesting uniforms. It's fascinating in Acts 19, it says the Jewish exorcists in Greek, it was two, and even though there were seven sons, they ran out naked. That's a new Greek, and we think that's a little odd. Well, these were, and Jewish exorcism was a big business in the first century, almost like a Dallas cowboy or Houston Texans. You would wear uniforms, helmets, you would wear all these phylacteries, things that would ruin off evil spirits. You would have a magic book. You would cast out demons in the name of Solomon. Jesus comes on the scene, and he casts out a demon effortlessly. And he says, that same, effort, that same authority has been given to you. He's not afraid, but we don't need to be either. I love what it says in 1 John 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, from many false prophets from God into the world. And the thing you mentioned in the writings that is so true is that they think that the enemy is going to show up as some ugly kind of thing. We forget that he's called an angel of light. That's right. So uh, thank you. We have not come close to even the first couple of layers of the depths of those little creatures. It's why you have to really get this book and Bible study for yourself. One of the things I love about the privilege that we are given, the deeper we dive into the Word of God, the more that we understand that we are accepted as we are, but then we don't stay that way. We don't just sit here until God comes and rescues us and gets us out of here. We're here for a purpose. And we have this unique opportunity to serve Christ fully in our time. And we get to do that with a really, I think it's probably one of my favorite projects that we do all year. When I look at the shoes I have in my closet, I think, oh gosh, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. And so many children around the world are actually just hoping and praying for their very first pair of shoes. And we can get answers to that prayer right now. So she's the doable, it really is. I mean, these darling little shoes, they last really well. And the thing I love about them is the kids can wear them in the water too. And there's so much waterborne disease. But these cost $3.60. So if you said in $36, we can send 10 shoes. $72, let's just send 20 pairs, and 180, 60 pairs. Um, and the other thing that I've seen Christ do miracles through is when a child is born with cleft lip and palate, it's they look on as cursed by God and their culture, and we have no future, and we have no hope. But we began to work with some amazing doctors, and they are willing to go over, and they do these surgeries. It costs $500 
overshoot costs so much more. So they sacrifice their time, and for five hundred dollars, they're able to do a corrective surgery. That's when Barry and I decided that we wouldn't give each other for Christmas. And how much more beautiful than Christmas morning to wake up thinking, or to thank you, that you blessed me to be able to reach out to children I might never meet until I see you face to face. So please, would you go to your phone now? Call that number on your screen. Thank you. But also from the lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or simple pair of shoes. Far too many children living in poverty have never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem longer in light of all their needs, walking with bare feet could spread a risk of life threatening infections and disease that could lead to crippling consequences and even death. By responding today, you can help immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes, a gift of $72 will help provide 20 pairs, and a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted crystal shoe helmet a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $180 or more, you may also request this keepsake boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with correctly tough pad surgeries, and you may request our Detroit Eagle Bronze Cup shirt. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. So, I thank you so much for your efforts. You know, for any gift you send or a topic, I do love to send you this book I wanted. There's also just in your screen a Bible study, and you'll also find out where Jeremiah is taking this unanswered tour on the road. We hope that you and Audrey and your five will be with the best Christmas possible. Thank you, sure. Thanks for having me on. I love it. And we'll see you again next time on Wednesdays in the Words. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
And right now, we want to extend a special invitation to you. You're watching today because something deep within you resonates with a call to bring hope to humanity through the message of Jesus. And we can accelerate that call by becoming a Hayfarm team member. And as a member of the team, you will receive a subscription box that delivers the best of Hayfarm and friends to your door each month. Your subscription to the team box is fun and meaningful and equips you in your faith journey. But most importantly, your subscription will accelerate the message of Jesus across the globe through the Hillsong channel. There is power and potential by being a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. So join the team today. Hillsong.com forward slash team to sign up and get your monthly box. Each month we'll send you a box. Hello. Yeah. How you doing? Mm-hmm. I had to get up and step away from my desk for a minute. Oh, while I could. What's up with How are you? You know what, Sam? I I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just fighting through some stuff, but I'm good. Well, I'm gonna live with that one. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of where I am. Mm. Yeah. I guess the lesson that I'm learning in all of this is even when something is from God and God 
guide you to it, it still doesn't. It's still a process, and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And that's that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. yeah, you definitely know it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a hard pill to swallow. So. Mm. I was listening to um, some minister on TV the other day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we hear the scriptures, don't get weary of well-doing. Yeah. But the way that he was breaking it down is something like, you know, you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're on the right track. <laughs> but the devil's trying to wear you out, so you can't quit. And I'm like, mm, I, just I totally get that. <laughs> but I guess sometimes I just want to reprieve. It's been four years of just stuff. Four and a half years of just stuff. And I just was like, can and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm getting blessings in the middle, and I'm trying to focus on the blessings mm-hmm. and trying not to forget, you know, the blessings in the middle. Mm-hmm. But it's like, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know. I see. Yeah. Sure. You, you you talking about four years? I was looking for them. I had to, some car issues going on, and I had to. So I was looking for titles, so mm-hmm. I was open, opened up my um, my uh, cabinet, you know, my, my file cabinet. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I literally, I just saw years of battles and struggles and this mm-hmm. and. After a while, I just closed the cabinet and my head was hurting because every time I looked in, it was like, oh, I remember that fight. Oh, I remember that fight. I mean, it was like, you know, damn, yeah. when am I going to be able to fight? You know, so right. I, I, I feel what you're talking about. Right. Right. That That's exactly it. And I'm just like, like the situation I'm in now with the new job, um, I'm like, okay, Lord, you you got to help me. <clears throat> With direction, I, I I know you sent me here by the way it came about, mm-hmm. but I just you just gotta help me because yesterday I was at my wits end. I've had vertigo mm-hmm. all week, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, I'm like, Lord, you just just tell me what it is you want me to do because I, in my flesh I wanted to just say, kiss mm-hmm. my happy black behind. I'm mm-hmm. out of here. And yet I woke up again this morning and brought my behind right on back. And Joyce Myers was on this morning saying, when you run from your situation, it calms down for a minute, but then God circles you back to the same situation. That's right, because you didn't graduate. You didn't graduate. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to get out of my flesh with this situation, but I'm just telling you. and, And what's funny is, the people that were supposed to be a-holes, I don't have an issue with the personalities because I've worked with all these different personalities. It's the mm-hmm. processes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you you got to help me, Lord. What is it I'm supposed to be doing with my life, with my career? What mm-hmm. direction am I supposed to be going into? Am I supposed to still get up and come to, you know, Mr. Jenkins' plantation every day and, you know what? What am I supposed to be doing? Because 
I don't I don't understand. And everything gets on my nerves here. And I got I'm I'm I've been working on that. I just it feels good to say this. I'm sick and tired. I'm tired. And everything is a freaking domino effect because I try to take care of my health. I get here, I gain nine pounds in two months from stress eating. Okay, I'm sick. I'm tired. My body's weary. My mind is weary. My heart is weary. Mm. And I just don't know what to do anymore. I really don't. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Um, you know, <laughs> Jesus, God is interesting. So, anyway, um, we changed the call for the Sunday call, and it's I actually recorded. Now, um, I'll see the information. You might, you might have the information, but the reason I'm saying it is because what you're talking about is some of the stuff that I talked about on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I was talking about our gifts and our fruits. And it's so funny because how do we know what our gifts and our fruits are? And I actually prayed this for Renee yesterday. And the way that we know is because we're placed in situations and circumstances in which we're forced to lean, seek, and call on God, and then we start to using those things that are inside us. You know, and I remember looking at in the fruits when it's talking about temperance and patience and stuff like that, and yeah. then our, our giftings. You know, you really don't know what's inside of you until you start to use it. Yeah. You really don't know what's inside of you. And see, when things are going all nice and well, then we're walking in what we know, but see, when things are getting chaotic and out of our control, we start to seek and turn to God. And he'll have us to turn to what he's placed inside of us to begin to use it and develop it because if what's inside of us is not used and developed, we really don't know what it is nor how to walk in it. So Cheryl called me the other day, and she was talking about, I'm going to say she had an Elijah moment, like, you know, Hour before she was all, you know, fine, but then an hour after that, she like literally wanted to cry, and she was like, "Well, what do I do?" You know, and I'm as I was walking downtown yesterday, coming from court. Look, as I, let me let me break this down to you. As I was walking downtown yesterday, coming from court, walking to the IRS office. Let me just let me be real, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you got you can already kind of grasp the mold that yep. I'm in. <laughs> And I'm having my own Elijah moment where I'm literally losing it. And I said, I just find myself speaking in tongues. I find myself singing in spirit. I find myself just confessing over my life because I literally wanted to lose. I literally wanted to quit. I literally wanted to say, you know, it's like a parent. I know you know. I want to quit, but damn it, the baby's still crying. Exactly. Exactly. It ain't going to stop the baby from crying. It it, is not. So I got to, God, I need you. I need your strength. I need your anointing. And this is what I got to do to draw from you. Then let me draw from you. Because the baby ain't going to quit crying. I got to get this done. And I'm done. Lord, help me. Yeah. Me, train me, and literally, I need you right now. I don't need you yesterday. I don't need you. I need you right now. And you start 
doing the things that, that to edify and to build your spirit, man, because your spirit is the only thing that's going to allow you to press your way through. Absolutely. Absolutely, because yesterday was like that, and I'm I'm just, I feel like I'm just walking in a wilderness. I, I mm-hmm. do when it comes to yeah. my career, when it comes to my health, when it comes to my mental, I feel like I'm just walking in a wilderness because one minute on the job, I'm like, okay, I got this. I pop my collar. Thank mm-hmm. you, Lord. Things are flowing, mm-hmm. and it's just. There are processes here, and I, I just got to, I just don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I really don't know what what is my avenue for revenue, Lord. What What is it? And um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm just worn down from the rental house, you know, running mm-hmm. back and forth over there, mm-hmm. trying to get the vendors to do what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just at my wit's end. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know what my gifts are. I know I have the gift of spirit, I, uh, uh, the, the gift of service. I do know that, but it's, I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have never been, I'm just worn the hell out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think some of this vertigo is from stress. To sugar, please. You think? I'm going to do it yeah. like a moment. You think? Yeah. Yeah. And then the devil comes in and was like, see, mm-hmm. you should have stayed in your little cushy place and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And this, uh-huh. and I'm like, no, I know this is from God. I know it's from God. I just don't know what to do. And see, and see what you, this is where you, I'm, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. But see, you are so much on the right track with the things that are coming out of your mouth. You said that you're in the wilderness and you know that this is from God. And when we're at that point, yet still we're going through hell, we must turn. Look, Lord, if this is from you, I need you to help me to go through. Yeah. Because literally that's what he's doing again. See, he, tra- he, he trains us to lean on him. But let's be real. It's uncomfortable. We we, we talk about, no, it, it ain't comfortable. Because, no, you know, not. you got to deny, get about yourself, even your own way yes, of thinking, Lord. your own mm-hmm. way of doing. And you really got to realize, okay, this is why. Because we're relying on somebody or something that we can't really see, touch, or taste. Right. I got to trust you. We yep. talk about it like it's a, but see, you you sit in that chair, you can see that chair, but you try sitting in the chair when it's not there, and Lord say, I got you. You gonna have a problem with that? Yeah, we, yeah. But we don't we don't admit these things, <laughs> no, dog. You got an issue with it because you know why your flesh has to die in order for you to do this. Yeah, absolutely. You, your and spirit I agree. has to rise up. I agree. I agree. I, you know, I totally and, agree. And God literally will put you in those positions to train, train you, to form you, to make you. Because you said it exactly. You're in the wilderness. The wilderness is not a comfortable experience. It's no. not our comfort zone. No, it's not it's a place not. where we can just go sit and just, yeah. But why is it, it was John the Baptist lived in the wilderness and Jesus ran to the wilderness to get away from mm-hmm. us? Yeah. But we want to yeah. get the hell 
spot of there because it's not nice because we don't have the things that we're used to. Exactly. And see, I, I thought about that too, about the wilderness experience, because see, when Jesus got full of this, when he got... He got baptized by John. The Holy Spirit mm-hmm. led him to the wilderness. He had his wilderness experience, but it was when he came out of the wilderness, he had the power of the Spirit. See, you're not going to get the power of God until you go through your wilderness experience and you overcome it. Yeah. See, when he came out of that wilderness, that's when he has power, God. See, we talk about having a power, and we might even sing, and it's a good thing, but you got to go through your wilderness experience. you got to go through those things that's beating you up, tearing you down. You cry, but you learn to seek and to trust God's word even when it's uncomfortable and it seems like it's not working. Absolutely. You're calling out on God, and it's dry as cracker juice, but yet still you choose to stand and to stand there for yeah. See, when you do that, then God said, oh, now you got it. Now you know that I'm real. See, you know that God's word is real because he's spoken, not because of what you feels like. You know God's word is real because he, you, you, you're confessing it and you're believing it to come to pass, not because you said and something happens in five minutes. You know God's word is real because of your relationship with him. Exactly. And, and when he gets the, you to that point, then he can trust you and he'll pull you out of the wilderness. Yeah. Because the fact that I get up and come in here every day and some I tell you some days I just don't want to. I just I just get up and keep coming. I just get up and keep coming. Look, you you see what I'm just getting this call. Look, I I'm just putting my head on this call. All right, <laughs> I got up, turned the phone on. I said, you know what? I'm getting back in bed. So, uh-huh, yeah, I got you back. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And it was because my old man came and woke me up again at eight, and I was, um, yeah. mm-hmm. okay, guess mm-hmm. I'll do something like that. So I I, I tell you. Thank you. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. You know. Thank you. And I, 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 and here's the thing, Sam. I'm just being transparent. I get up. I confess God's word, positivity over my life every mm-hmm. morning. And within an hour or two, something happens here, and and I'm like, screw it. You know, screw it. Mm-hmm. And you know. Screw it with a couple of other words come out behind it, too. And I'm like, Lord, forgive me. And all day I am mentally inside of my head talking to myself and saying, stop thinking like that. Mm-hmm. Stop come thinking on. like yeah. this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then something happened, and then, and then the process starts all over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, God, I'm so sorry because my flesh just keeps rearing up in the middle of trying to praise you, in the middle of trying to confess your word of my life. But my flesh, my flesh, and, and it rises up nine, ten times a day here, you know, and it's like, what in the world, you know? And I, I just, and I'm trying to. Be my usual jovial, happy, smiley self, but sometimes it's just a struggle. Mm. It's a struggle, and you literally have to fake it till you make it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that ain't what God wants us to do. I know that. You know, I know that's not. But Mm -hmm. what you said is so true because when you talk to people and they tell you all that they've been through or, or, 
that they've gotten the glory. Once they tell you, oh, I went through such and such, but God is faithful and he pulled me through. They never tell you about the middle part. All on, you hear girl. is the Come beginning yes. and the yes. end. Yes, yes. What yes, about girl. the middle? What did you do when yes. you wanted to slap the living hell out of somebody? Tell me Thank about you. that part. Thank tell you. me about the part Thank when you, you didn't have food to eat. Mm-hmm. Tell Come me on. about the part when your body was broken down. Or tell Come me about on. the part when you mm. ate yourself so sick from stress mm. that you threw everything up. Tell mm. me about that part. Wow. All on. you ever hear is God is faithful. I know mm-hmm. that. God is good. I know that. Keep trusting. Mm-hmm. I know that. And God will pull you through. Mm-hmm. What about God will pull you through, but my sister, mm-hmm. you finna go through some things first. That's what I want to hear. Mm. You're going through. Mm. How did you make it? How did you get How did you make the- it? Yes. Exactly. Yes. Thank you, Father God. Oh, Jesus. Ooh, and Lord. that's where I am. How do I make it through mm-hmm. this part? You mm-hmm. have given me the blessing, but mm-hmm. how do I make it through? How do I mm-hmm. make it through? Mm-hmm. You know what? You make it through by being diligent. And persevering in spite of you. Yeah. And that's the thing that, yeah. And I never want to come across as grateful because this is the first time in a long time that I've been able to pay my bills. All right, now come on. So I'm trying to look at that. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Yes, yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and the thing, I think this might help you, Ness, is yep. when you begin to look at it as a training situation. In other words, God is training you. It's not It's not this person getting on your nerves. It's not that happening. It's not, but God is using this process. And I, I forgot, whoever I was I prayed, to introduce you to, you just talk about your gifting, to introduce you to your gifting, to introduce yes. you to, to, to how to access him to introduce you to how to really, really lean and trust on him when you don't really know how or at another level. If you begin to look at it from that that point of view, it will help to change it. Okay, Lord, so, okay, you're trying to get my attention, God. What are you trying to show me? Okay, God, I'm missing this right now. Lord, I'm tired, but you say, you know, and this this is when you really start, you say, I can exchange my weakness for your strength. Okay, Lord, I, I need you right now. Okay, Lord, this person here is really grating my nerves, Lord. I need your peace, your pain. See, and as you begin to to walk this thing up, because you recognize, first of all, it ain't going nowhere. It's not going to change or transform it's big and different. It's so not. in it's order true. for you to make it through, you have to change. Yep. And when you make it that in your mind that, oh, Lord, show me what changes need to be made. Show me what I need to do. Holy Spirit, evidently I need some more of you because if you've given given me this position and I'm falling apart, I need some more of you. When you start talking that kind of stuff off your mouth and you're still crying and hurting, God's going to show up. He's going to show up. And you're going to learn how to, like I said, the baby's still crying. So I might have to go give me a few tears, but I still got to come change that diaper. 
Exactly. And you and you find that you begin to draw from God. You begin to get. I'm gonna be real. You begin to really get a greater understanding of His Word. Because, see, yeah. so often we hear his word and we know it from a, a, what we read it. We don't really know it from when we're standing on it. We don't really know it from when we're applying it. We don't really know it from when we're, 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 we're trusting him beyond our situations and circumstances when all hell is falling loose, but, God, I'm going to trust you anyway. Yeah, See, absolutely. that's where he wants us to be. We talked about this on the call yesterday, that, you know, walking in this one of our confessions, walking in the realm of the supernatural, where you, God wants to grow us up so that miracles is just an ordinary aspect of our life. Because when we read it yesterday, a miracle to God is just making provision to his children. To us, it's a miracle because we don't, there's no way that we can do it. But to yeah. God, it's like I said I was going to provide, so however I choose to do it, it's going to be done, but it's, it's no big deal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell you something else that I'm, I'm learning too. What I'm learning from this job in particular is what I do and don't want in my next position. I mm. really do believe that this is a stopover. This isn't mm. home. I mm. believe this is a transition phase, and mm-hmm. I'm learning what I do and don't want in my next job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm learning not to just hunker down and get complacent. Maybe that's what he's teaching me too, you know. So I just, Oh, Lord, I needed to call today. I'm so glad they, they most of them were out where I could slip away and call. <laughs> I miss my call, Sam. I do. You know, I was diligent on my call. Mm, mm-hmm. Praise God. Yeah, because I felt I drew strength from, mm. you know, my fellow believers, my fellow people that had relationships, yes, yes. you know, with God. On, I drew strength from that. Come on, You know, girl. I was able to to be transparent and be myself. Mm-hmm. And, Amen. You know, and I, I'm, I'm almost to the point of where I almost feel like I, I've just, I don't know, mm. you know. So, yeah. Yeah, but yet the weird part is I have no regrets about leaving my former job. Mm-hmm. Spirit, soul, and body, baby. Yep. Your spirit is saying you're right. Seek me, and I will give you what you need. Yep. Your, your soul and your flesh is going, what the hell? It is. It is. Oh. It most certainly is. Mm. So, anyway, I'm going to head on back to my desk. Amen. Keep me in your prayers, honey. No problem. As I know you do. No problem. Okay. Go back up here and dig back in. On back to the plantation. Yes, I'm is. Yes, I'm is. I'll I'll talk to y'all hopefully before you make it here next week. Okay, babe. A week is week after, right? Nah, it's the seventh. However long ago it is, how far away. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right, babe. Bye. Bye.
Give us all the strength to persevere and to press our way through, Lord. It evidently seems that this is a time of transition for your children and that this is a season or a time and we're experiencing different things. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to strengthen and to gird all of us up. You say you give each of us a measure of faith as you will. You say that you give us the different gifts that you desire to give us, Lord. So, Father God, you be God. Help us to be men, men that depend, that seek your face and depend on you. As you allow, as we allow. Oh, shout out to Jose Deke. You know, Lord, and I thank you for that. Why do I say as we allow? I say as we allow, Lord, because, see, we have to make a choice whether or not we want to seek you, trust you, walk after you, or whatever. Your sovereign will will be done, Lord. But it's a choice of whether or not we choose to line up with it or not. So help us to understand and to walk in that, Lord. And in that process, Father God, you are training us how to be dependent and how to lean on you. Lord, what did you say? That we are coming out of the wilderness leaning on our beloved. Oh, Jesus Christ. Lord, you put a picture inside me when I read that. You gave me an understanding of leaning on our beloved. Because in that, Lord, you let me see that we have gotten to the point of our walk, of our understanding, that we know that the only way we're going to be able to make it through, is to lean and to trust in you. And that we have come at peace and in compliance with such. We're not fighting against leaning on you. We're not fighting against trying to do things our way and our understanding and what we know, Lord. But, Father God, it's a process. Oh, Jesus, it's a process, Lord. Just help all of us walk through this process, Father. So, Lord, I'm about to do your call now. I'm going to just say, be God. You're the most high. Be God. Anoint, move, whatever it is you desire to do with this call today, Lord. Be God. Remove the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. Be God. Draw those to the call that you want to be on here today. 
Remove those who you don't want to be. Be God, Father. You're the most high. That's what we seek and that's what we serve. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up at the right time, for sending those to get me back in my proper position so that I can do that what you want me to do, Lord. Thank you for taking care of my family, Vanessa's family, Lisa's family, Erica's family, Mark's family. And everybody else that I might have missed, Lord. Be God, Lord. Be God. Be God. So I'm going to grab this paper, do these lists, start doing my volumes. Yeah, Daddy. You got a prescription ready. Baby's crying. Get up. Change the doctors. Okay, Lord. So I got stuff that needs to be done. I've got a fight, Father. Because if I don't, not a really bad on the words. So Holy Spirit, give me the strength that's necessary and need it. So it's list time, people. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's that stuff. Right. Yep, get to moving. Mm. Mm. That stuff right. mm. Yeah, it's all
Bike boy, hush, gotta go fish, it'll go fish, it'll go fish, it'll go fish, it'll saga, hush, gotta go fish, it'll saga, saka, line of washing, run, run, go run, run, go run, run, go fish, it'll saga, or saga, saka, warning family, hush, gotta go fish, it'll go fish, it'll go fish, it'll saga, 
City of Atlanta, run, 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 Okay, you got Rose in the hospital. You got Washington. My parents will run, 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 run. They'll go see she, go see she, go see she, go see she, Run, run, they'll go see she, go see she, go see she, Run, run, they'll go see she, 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 go Mastermind group. Push go 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 Push
Oh, Lord, yes. Okay, brother. Ah, still in college. Run, 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 Jenkins family. Who's gonna go fish? Who's gonna fish? Who's gonna go fish? Who's gonna go fish? Who's gonna go Mark's business. Eric's business. Eric's church. My business. Run, run, go fish. Who's gonna go sakra? Brian and Allen. Hundred gun to the 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 gun to go sakra. Sakra. Belinda and husband. Who's gonna go fish? Who's gonna go fish? Who's gonna fish? Who's gonna go sakra? Donald Trump. Run, go run, run, go to the gun to the gun to the gun sakra. Angie, who's gonna go see? She go see. She go saga sakra. Marquel, who's gonna go do? Go do? Go do? Go saga sakra. Gentlemen, caller, who's gonna go see? She go see. She go see. She go saga. Jesus, you know what? Let me just do. Gentlemen, call a run, run, go there, go there, go there, go there, go there, go there, Lorenzo Hush, go there, 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 Angie, run, run, go, Saga, Sakura. Donald Trump, Yarkandra, Sakura. Mark Gully in church, who's gonna go say she does say she does Saga, Sakura. Margaret Bond, Hundred Grand Grand Go say she does Saga, Sakura. Eddie's family. Who's gonna go see? She go see. She go see. She go see. Sakura. Train area. Run, run, go, run, run, go. Sakura. Sean, Stephen, and David. Who's gonna go? They're gonna go. Sakura. Investors. Who's gonna go see? She go see. She go see. Sakura. Tony Brooks. Who run, run, go see? She go see. Sakura. Girl, Erica Church. Who run, run, go see? She go see. Sakura. Bobby Williams. Run, run, go see? She go see. Sakura. Malcolm Bryson. Who's gonna go see? She go see. She go see. Sakura. Richard, who's gonna say she goes to Shiko Saga, Sakura? Unsafe family members, run, run, go to Shiko Saga, Sakura. Mitch, who's run, run, she'll go to Shiko Saga, Sakura. Manise, who's gonna go to Shiko Saga, Sakura.
Wayne Bridges, run, run, go sish, go sish, go sagar, sakara. Margaret Bond, hush, go sish, go sish, go sagar, sakara. Fan Marie, harande, go sish, go sagar, sakara. Donald, hush, go sish, go sish, go sagar, sakara. Pastor Mark, hush, go sish, go sish, go sagar, sakara. Mark and Charles Jr., run, run, go sish, go sish, go sagar, sakara. And myself, run, go sish, go sish, go sagar, sakara. And everybody else on the list, you run, run, go, sit, go, sit, 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 We have to war, let's do it all, dude. Back down for now. Satanic after school program. Boskia Boko Disco Mbosadia Dusuko Saraka. Bell worshippers. Yandikia Sanduku Saraka. Illuminati. Yandikia Roko Saraka. Anda Saraka. And the crack house. Both did a go, 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 do so the go, sucker. Prisoners and missionaries. Yandra go station, go station, go station, go station, go station, go station, go saga. Randa go station, go station, go station, go station, go saga. Randa go station, go station, go saga, sucker. Stick and shot in. Go rumbus get a go, did 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 a go, saga. Go to Sharaga, sucker. Abuse and addiction. Hundred go zero zero go zero go zero go zero go zero sakara. Congregation churches. Run 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 go did go did go sakara. Second shot. Prison missionary. Congregation churches. Eastern Hospital. Hush, you go sit, 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 I got prison missionary congregation church, sick and shut, unsafe. Run, run, go, dig, go, sit, go, sit, go, sit, go, Run, run, go, sit, go, sit, go, sit, Run, run, go, sit, go, sit, go, sit, Run, run, go, sit, go, sit, go, sit, go, sit, Prison missionaries, unsafe, sick and shut, Pizza, corrosa,
Yeah, whatever they Congregation Church, Prison Missionaries, Precious Minis and the Families, Groshko Okay, what we got? Deceased in hospital, sick and shut in, unsaved, pressure to minister in the family, congregation, church, prisoners, and missionaries, abuse and addiction. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Discernment. Supernatural, superhuman strength. Peace of the past is all understanding. The ability to persevere to the end. Grace, mercy, and favor. Walking in the realm of the supernatural. Welcome to the realm of supernatural. Run the run the go sissy go sissy go sissy go sissy saga saga Now is going to understand. Grace, mercy, and favor. Run the rest of the Financial breakthroughs and turnarounds. Push the go sissy the go sissy go sissy go saga. Push the go sissy go sissy go saga saga. Peace of the past is all understanding. Push the go sissy go sissy go saga saga. Growth in our gifts and our fruits. Go run the go sissy go sissy go sissy go saga saga. Supernatural superhuman strength. Randa goes shik shirakarandaka. Randa goes shik shikasaragasta. Saragasakara. Noon of a mind. Randa randa goes shik shikasaragasakara. Noon of a you. Hushkara goes shik shikasaragasakara. Praying for you. Randa randa goes shik shikasaragasakara. Randa randa goes shik shikasaragasakara. 
supernatural superhuman strength, running around to go switch your switch your set of guys, so I thought I'm increasing our gifts and our fruits. Okay. I guess it's that way. I'll say family members. Okay. Okay, well, I think it's everybody. No, Mike. No, now you. Praying for you. Okay. So I'm going to say
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app. Oh, 
broke is a habit, I guess you backed at it again. You need a, yeah, and plus you need some answers, cause you just lost your mom to cancer. You really need a, and you done tried all the drugs. From Vegas to NY, you been to all the clubs. You wanna, and you done tried new shoes, you done tried new clothes, but you still feel low, so you know you gotta. And maybe you could get you a new you, a new crew, a new do. That might suit you and your, a new somebody to lay with, cause the last five just ain't make it. They all better, a brand new car on sixes, the one you got now ain't fixing, and plus an oil. You done tried a new place, new clothes, new taste, new way, new face, but you still need a. Know what you were put here for, but before you go, you're looking for a home. You to find a home, you can grow your own. You're way too grown to be making a job. And life's too short, you've been down too long. You see them clothes, they're confident them to. They say the Lord don't, but the Lord thing, the Lord it don't, but the Lord is. Huh. Now you got Oprah on, thinking maybe she can help you out your hopeless zone. She gone, you even tried the church. Pastor gave you a bunch of rules, but they ain't seem to work. You don't. You tried another one, though. They got you feeling good inside. They got you running for more and more. But it's all about you, not God, not truth. Just because you wear the truth don't mean you're best. Is Christ just a means to money? Plus health, you the master? He's the dummy? No. Well, if not that, then maybe it's better to be confused and forget all facts and all. You still been chasing. The change, look where we got you. The press ain't a thing, making no. You done try to find God, over so many stars, still ain't getting very far, so far, no. You don't really know what you were put here for, but before you go, you're looking forward. You try to find a home, you can grow your own. You're way too grown to be making a job. And life's too short, you be down too long. You see them clothes, it's not for them to. They say the Lord don't, but the more thing. What if life ain't supposed to be crazy? Full of hurt, pain, death, rape, murder, and craziness. If God made everything good, then why you still gotta live in the hood? What's really good, man? It goes back to Adam and Eden. When he ate that fruit, believing somehow that he could. Man disobeys God. Now both the red eyes and life is just hard. Cause the heart bleeds. You can't find hope in cars, hope in money. Your people only hope in God. He can. And Jesus felt the pain. He was hated, hurt, slandered, and slain. But his death brought death. So be a slave to your sin. Hate God, love money, love lies. Christ died so you can. It's kind of fun for a while, but you lose that smile when your life go out and the pain goes. You don't yeah. know what you were money, power, possessions. Chasing go, all that stuff, you're still not getting that. That change inside you're looking for, man. Because it won't satisfy. You need to turn away from all that and turn to the cross of Jesus Christ.
dry your eyes, seeking me like I knew you would, praising me like you know you could. That's when I realized that he's so good. My God is good. He's been good to me. Oh, 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 oh. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Move as you would have us to move, Lord. Let your word rise up, Father. Help us to walk in the fullness of who you called us to be. Thank you, Holy Spirit, as your word goes forth. Let us hear, see, and seek your face. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, Nene? Oh, I see all of us are. Hmm? I see all of us are. Oh, what? I see, I see that all of us are. Oh, oh, oh. I don't know what you said. I thought you said Tapiala Opar. <laughs> nope. But I got one for you, though. Mm-hmm. For uh, for people to come together to be on one knee, and it shakes Trump so badly. Just think what happened when both knees hit the ground. Pretty good. 
And hands go up. They won't be giving homage to him. <laughs> and through all of this, he kept referring to himself as if he's the Savior. Because <laughs> he makes it all about him. Mm. Okay, he has enough nerve. He puts out he puts out words to think that people are going to listen to these words but not look at how he's placing them. Nor or seeing it as being a smokescreen just to say something in order to justify what he did. But it, but what he did still comes out as um, thinking, thinking. <laughs> One person, they served in the military, and they said, don't you dare, Trump. You nor any of your family members served in the military. <laughs> so you can't speak for us. Martel Williams, he served in the military. He felt the same way. Now, this man has never served in the military. He's never been poor. He hasn't been in a minority status. So all this stuff that these so-called people have voted him in for, and he never... He never hit any of this. Only thing he hit into was it was be a part of the one percenters. Mm-hmm. Okay, now for the Ku Klux Klan, the backbone of them were businessmen. Mm. Also, the backbone of the Ku Klux Klan was also disgruntled slaves and plantation owners. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was also of the one percenters. Mm. Now, the thing of it is for these 99.0 other white folks who want to be claimed to be white, Mm -hmm. when they realize that they're only a buffer for the one percenters, That's going to be the biggest revelation because when they didn't want to pay people who look like them, they got people from other countries and paid them for what they wanted. Okay, far as a black man goes, they owned them like livestock and whatever ideas they portrayed while working for these folks, they stole them and said it was theirs, which it wasn't really theirs. Um, out of that, they gave the so-called white trash slash 99.0 buffers a position as being an overseer over the slaves, Indians, gave them $5 and a bottle of moonshine. (laughs) Now, for the slaves, they made 100% plus profit off of them. For the overseers, they made a 98, no, I put it as a 99.2% because of the $5 they gave them. 
they made all this money off of them, and they they had in their eye of, oh, well, I look like them, so I'm okay. I'm with them because they look like me. But just because this 1% of got money don't mean that he want to see you got money and pass him up. Hmm. Now, it took some time for the buffers, some of the buffers to wake up. And to help out these people who they help oppress to be able to get free. Now, you got Trump raising up at his words himself. His two his two claims that he holds so near and dear to his heart is let's make America great again. And also, he loves a poorly educated person. So if he loves a poorly educated person, why would he do anything for education? Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, he'll try everything he can to bring it down. Mm -hmm. Because as long as you got the people listening to him and nobody else, you can see just through his talking he doesn't know his history. He didn't read the Constitution. And every time he opened up his mouth, he just puts his other foot into it. <laughs> now, for the football player who has started out the um, kneeling, before America even came into being, when kings and queens had knighted knights into knighthood, they kneeled in front of their king or queen in a form of respect. Uh, before, when they was in the presence of their superiors, people kneeled and bowed. Same thing God asked for us to do when we come into his presence, to kneel and bow. So for somebody to kneel, why would you set up there and have this much opposition is unless it's really tearing into your inner core? The <laughs> but like I said, when the other knee hits the ground and those hands are tended <laughs> and you see it all across the way, and <laughs> another thing to that is, too, King's dream was for everybody to come together. People are showing their unity, mm-hmm. and it's not because of skin color. <laughs> and for dumb trouble, even the football player's mother said up there and told Trump, "Oh, you gonna call my you gonna call my son an SOB, huh?" She said, "Well, I'm a I'm a proud B, all right." <laughs> I'm proud of my son. <laughs> um, Curry, the basketball player, he said he's not coming to the White House because he has other better things to do. <laughs> so <laughs> Trump has said, well, I'll take back my invitation. Curry's wife said, well, that's okay because we do have better things to do. We don't have to be up there to visit you. And Trump was like, but it's an honor to visit the president. So Curry put up a picture of him and um, Obama 
when Obama was in the White House, he said, I ain't been there, done that. Mm. But with a real president. Mm. Oh, that got in his head. <laughs> now, you got all these people who you talked about, like dogs doing the election. But still, before, when the elections were just starting to heat up, the Pope came out. And he had did his speech on telling them how you do not abuse the misuse, the poor, and the disabled. Mm-hmm. Bader got it. Bader said, right, I'm through with this. I'm not doing this. I'm going. Uh-uh. I'm, I ain't got nothing to do with this. I know better. I was raised better. I'm up out of here. I got the Pope in my presence talking this that I know what he's saying is true. I'm out of here. Okay, only for these other people to circle around and come together. So they can't say that they wasn't told a war. But Trump, when he recites um, books out the Bible, instead of saying 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Then want to go out, yeah, well, you know, people had gave their lives. You know, man, your family gave their life. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, you all searched around five or six different times just to find the name that you liked, a surname that you liked. Because the name, I mean, the title, his title was Trump. That only came after the fifth or sixth trial, them changing their name. <laughs> But um, and then I was thinking the other day because when God came down to earth, he gave up quite a few things in order to come down as a son. Now, they told Trump when he came into office, the things that he has to get up, give up. So that way he wouldn't be a conflict of interest. And he still got his hands on some stuff where he calls himself being slipped. And then he's sitting here talking like a jackass of a fool. Thinking that nobody's understanding the words that's coming out of his mouth. And they're just waiting with and there's some people just waiting with bated breath to wait to see what he has to tweet. While, meantime, there's been many earthquakes. There have been many tornadoes, flooding. A lot of people have lost a lot. Um, the last five sitting presidents, they got together. And they're raising money to go help out these areas. Mm-hmm. Now, for Trump, when he talks, he keeps putting up the okay sign. Everything is not okay. But in the meantime, he goes out and he tells people in Texas, oh, there's so many of you I came out to see me. Oh, thank you. It's like they just lost everything, fool. Mm-hmm. 
Where else are they going to go? <laughs> they voted you in to be their commander in chief, even though you are even though you're a liar and thief. <laughs> They're looking for where they hope come from. They shouldn't be looking at it from him anyway, but um, that's what they voted for. Only thing that was missing from him was a golf club because um, he did a he did it looked like he was doing the impression of Bob Hope. <laughs> then for people who had got their history wrong, well Obama didn't come out and do this for us. And he's like, listen at him. See, he said Obama didn't do this. Obama did a whole lot more than what Trump ever thought about doing. Mm-hmm. And when he opens up his mouth and talks ignorant, and then he comes across somebody that's talking ignorant because he don't know no better because he don't read. The three steps are really simple, and I don't get breakouts anymore. Proactive is different. I mean, so for his ignorance, it shows, and it's not that somebody is purposely putting them down, but he shows it himself. And then the people who associate themselves with him, they show theirs as well. So like I said, a mighty blow of a hammer when the other knee hit the ground and the hands go tinted up. I wonder what he's going to do then. But he got time enough to repent. And in a little bit, you're going to really see him fighting with himself. Hey, Mr. Sam. Hey, what's up, Ness? I had a quick meeting, so I'm back on now. Okay. It dawned on me, and that's why I sent you the text. Um, I might told you, you know, you said exercise a lot or whatever, and one thing that I recognize and what we used to do, that's what we call it, the zone, is the workout really didn't begin until you get tired. Mm-hmm. I mean that in a sense. When you are in a position that you're tired, but you press your way through, that counts so much more. That's how you're developing your strength, your endurance. Okay. When you're really, you know, when you're at a point, you know, like I said, like, I'm going back to the reference of the exercise. Because we might do 10, 15 reps, but then we're tired. But those last three or four reps that we do when somebody's spotting us and we push our way through, they count more than those first 10 or 15 because of the you're pushing in spite of yourself. And that's what I mean with what you're doing right now. When you're pushing in spite of yourself, when you're doing what you know you need to do because you know you need to do it as how you feel, that's God is increasing your strength. He's increasing your endurance. He's growing you up. Just just keep pressing, baby. That's all I can tell you to do. Okay. Keep pressing, keep growing, and keep letting God increase in your life. Because he's developing your strength more than you know. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sam. No problem. Mm-hmm. No problem. Do you endure pretty good with your exercise? Mm-hmm. I said you're enduring pretty good with your exercise then? I'm getting better. 
I'm oh, just okay. <laughs> I ain't where I need to be, but I ain't where I was, so <laughs> Oh, that's a good well, that's a good testimony. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh crap. Ugh. All right, let me do this and we're gonna do the reading. Don't get to the top of Mount Everest. Mm, I don't know about that one. I had to car to top of Mount Everest. But... <laughs> <laughs> See, my goal is desire to get there no more. Maybe back in the day, but uh, not now. You may surprise yourself. And, and it would truly be a surprise. It would truly be a surprise. <laughs> Gifts of inspiration. The third group of spiritual gifts consists of the gifts of inspiration. Prophecy. Interpretation of tongues. The first two groups, the gifts of power and the gifts of revelation, these three gifts of are not the kind that change the world. The gifts of inspiration are strictly for the benefit of the church. They have a threefold ministry, edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's interesting. Hmm. Gifts of power, gifts of revelation. These three gifts of inspiration are not the kind of change the world. So he's saying the gifts of power can change the world. Gifts of revelation. I'm going back to the gifts of revelation. Exactly what he's talking about. I can see the gifts of power. Because in the gifts of power, he was talking about faith, miracles, and healing. Okay, so we can see how that would change the world. Now, when we're talking about the world, we're talking outside of the body of Christ. Okay, so I can see that. So now, the gifts of revelation. The gifts of revelation. Revelation gives infinite God. What are the gifts of revelation? Give me one second. 
Okay, the revelation, the three gifts of revelation. Okay, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discernment. Okay, I can see that too. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. I can see that because it, it, it can give you some things that you don't know. And that could change the world. And when we're talking about the world, we're talking about the outside of the body of Christ. So the gifts of power, definitely healing, miracles, faith. Now we're talking about gifts of revelation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning the spirits. Because now you can see and know things outside of yourself. You know, I come back again to my thing about my brake and my trucks, my truck and my brakes. You know, that was something she just knew for gift um gift of knowledge. Okay. So now gifts of revela- gifts of inspiration, prophecy, tongues, inspiration of tongues. Three 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 gifts of inspiration, not the kind of change the world. The gifts of inspiration are strictly for the benefit of the church. So now, why would they be for the benefit of the church? Inspiration. Gifts of prophecy, tongue. Interpretation of tongue to give to do what we mean that Vanessa were doing this morning to give you the strength to keep on pressing on to give you something that you didn't know to let you know that you're on the right path when God is speaking to His children to say, "Hey, I got this." You know, I said, "Don't be weary and well doing." I always thought that was just you know be. I thought that was just always. Just doing something, you know, like taking care of the people, the needy. Well, hell no. World doing is, you know, I'm on the right path, but I'm tired of doing it. Yeah, Lord, I'm listening to you, and I'm walking this out, but I don't feel like doing it no more. That's well doing as well. So, you know, and we, and, and and evidently, like I said, it's a time because I just, I'm hearing beside myself people just coming to me, man, what do you do to keep pressing on? Well, revelation, I mean, the gifts of inspiration, something to inspire you. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Something to give you the strength to keep on pressing on. Why do you think it is where you say, oh, when you've done all that you can do to stand, to stand there for? Hmm. Oh, Jesus. Think about that. We say that. I want you to really think about that for a minute. When you have done all you can do to stand, that means you have search, fault, everything to change, transform, whatever needs to be done, you've done it all, and ain't nothing work for you. Ain't nothing change. Ain't nothing different. Now, it's not that you're just doing stuff. You're just seeking God, Lord, what to do. How to do this, Lord? What about this? And 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 you're going, and you're going, and you're you're seeking the Father, but still you find yourself in the same position. <laughs> you're still stuck. You're still broke. You're still sick. You're still discouraged. You're hurt. You're mad. You're pissed. You're still. See, that's what he means when you've done all you can do to stand. What do you think is going to give you the strength to stand there for? When you've done all you can do to stand, stand there for. God has to give you that strength. 
Because at that point, you're past yourself. The woman with the issue of blood. She was broke and sick for years to stand there for. See, we say these things so often, but when you're really living it out, that's when you really get an application and understanding of what God's talking about. So now we're coming back to these gifts of inspiration. These are the things that God has placed within his body to give you the ability to stand and to stand there for. To get up and do it one more time. To seek his face again after you done sought it all these times but you still stuck. I was talking, again, coming back to Cheryl because of our conversation we had about what do you do to persevere. And we had a brief conversation. But yesterday when I was walking downtown and I found myself to keep from crying, praying in the spirit, to keep from screaming, talking in tongues, to keep from just saying, you know what, I'm done. But like I said this morning, the baby's still crying. Somebody got to change him. I did the things that I knew would edify my spirit man because my spirit man is what's necessary to all to be able to pull me through. So again, these gifts of inspiration, those are the things that God has placed inside of the body to give the body that which is needed but is going to come from your spirit man. God wants his people strong and mature in spiritual matters. He wants a church that is alive and powerful. These three gifts of inspiration were designed for that purpose. Prophecy is the greatest of these three gifts of inspiration. In 1 Corinthians chapters 11 through 14, the gift of prophecy is referred in a total of 22 times, which seems to reveal its importance. What prophecy is not, the gift of is not foretelling the future. Prophecy in the New Testament is different from a prophet who foretells the future. Mm, that's deep. Prophecy in the New Testament is different from a prophet who foretells the future. God specifically limits his gift to three beautiful exercises, edification, exhortation, and comfort. And none of these have to do with the gifts of power or the gifts of revelation. Hmm. So a prophet who foretells the future is different from walking in the gift of prophecy. So the gift of prophecy says God specifically limits these gifts to three beautiful exercises, edification, exhortation, and comfort. According to Ephesians 4, 8 through 12, the prophet is one of the five ministries gifts given to the church. He is a person, not a vocal gift. He holds the office of prophet. Acts 21 and 9 tells of Philip's four daughters, which did prophesy. They were not prophets, but they prophesied. They had a ministry edifying the church, but they did not foretell the future. Hmm. Philip's four daughters did prophesy. They were not prophets, but they prophesied. They had a ministry of edifying the church, but they did not foretell the future. So gift of prophecy, again, he's building up the church, but the prophet, the office of a prophet is different. 
The prophetic office always predicts the future. The gift of prophecy never predicts the future. Mm. 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 That's deep. I don't know if Mark is on, but I know he's probably eating this up now. The prophetic office always predicts the future. The gift of prophecy never predicts the future. So the prophet is able to hear from God and tell what's going on in the future. The prophecy is for edification, comfort, and inspiration. The gift of prophecy is not preaching. All righty now, here we go. We're about to really get into some stuff now. The gift of prophecy is not preaching. To preach means to proclaim and pronounce the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preaching comes from the natural mind. Prophecy is the mind of the Holy Spirit speaking to us in a supernatural utterance. Mm. Mm. Wow, you know what? That's deep. And you know what? That is why I had um, a while back a prophet had said um, if someone prophesies to you you should be able to go back into the word of God as a backup mm-hmm. and see again like that's a precedent like it's not nothing new but it's being applied to you at this time in your life mm-hmm. you know and is there anything outside of the word of God that that's not a prophecy and you should question it. Mm-hmm. Because God gave a prophet, a prophecy directed to a certain individual should line up with the word of God and not be so vague or so um, outside the realm of what God would usually say that, you know, that it, it just doesn't ring true. Mm. And then you should discount it and just wait. You know, that's what you must go before God and be like, God, did you really say this? So that makes sense. I get it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Morning, Sam. Hey, Cher, how you doing? Hey, I wanted to share with you guys something that happened to me last night. Mm-hmm. I had... Um, a discouraging dream. I was in a pit, and I don't know how I got there, but I couldn't get out. And I sat there, and I was yelling, help me, help me, help me. And I knew my body was too weak to stand up, and I just could not move, and I'm stuck in this pit. And I'd go, go back to sleep, and I'd still be in the pit. And I'd wake up again, and I'd be like, oh, God, I'm stuck in this pit. And then I'd wake up again, and I'd be stuck in the pit, and I'd go back to sleep. And so on and on, this went for hours at night. And, and then about about 10 o'clock this morning, I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I love you so much, God. Praise your name, Lord. And I began to speak in tongues and pray. And pretty soon I'm singing in the Spirit, and I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And the floor in my dream starts to rise. And the atmosphere goes from gray and black to white. And I begin to rise. And the floor keeps rising above the lip of the of the thing, and I jump right off the off the floor, 
and onto the ground. And then the grass starts turning green everywhere, and it's beautiful. And it was so encouraging because God was telling me, in the midst of everything that's going on, I'm praising the Lord. I'm going to do a sacrifice of praise, and I'm going to worship the Lord despite my situation. And when I did that, everything dropped off. And it was cool because it was like God was showing me that praise and worship is really, really important to God. If you look at Peter in the in the New Testament, when he was in prison, he started worshiping God and praising him, and he was in prison. And the angel came and opened the doors, and he walked out. Jehoshaphat, he praised God. They fasted and praised God, and then the armies fought themselves off. Praise and worship is very important in the kingdom of God. And when and when we realize that, that, that sets, unlocks a key that us to be able to move forward in an area that maybe we didn't see before. When we complain and, and we're crying and yell and scream, you know, we're being like little children, little little spoiled children that make it to have a tantrum. But when we begin to praise God, that shows maturity. That the will of God is to pray praise and worship him. The will of God is to rejoice in all things. So when we go through these trials and things, we need to remember who we are. We're children of God, and we have the right to praise God. That confuses the enemy, and God can intervene and do what he needs to do. It's like an act of faith, knowing that God will enter into that praise, come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So, see, praise and worship is, like, really, really important to God. He really he really moves when his people praise him. Do you remember the Israelites went around and around and around, and God provided for them in the desert after they got out of Egypt? But yet they kept complaining, and they kept going around and around and around, and that generation never got into the king, got into the promised land. But the ones that looked at the gra- looked at the, the the fruit and the vegetation, there was only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, that saw the the uh, possibilities that were there, and everybody else didn't make it. So see, there's y- 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 your view has got to be on Christ and on what he can, what he's already done, and just worship him. And so that's that's what. I got out of the dream, and and that's what I wanted to share with everybody this morning, that when you go through these difficult times, instead of just praying in tongues, start thanking God for the situation and walk in faith and receive that which God's already got planned for you because he already knows your situation before you even get up in the morning. You just turn it over to him, and he can take care of you. When we struggle and strive in our own self, we're not going to get anywhere. We're just going to be miserable and our bodies are going to wear down and we're just going to be be cranky and, and angry and frustrated. But when we praise the Lord, it unlocks a whole new revelation of who God really is. I'm done.
Amen. That kind of lines up with what I was talking to Vanessa about earlier today. Awesome. Awesome. Y'all ready to go there? Yeah. Well, I know you're waiting on him, so. All right. Okay. Oh, Rashida Kumbaka. The prophetic office always predicts the future. The gift of prophecy never predicts the future. The gift of prophecy is not to be used for guidance. This is one of the major ways in which people have misused the gift. Guidance is not one of the three blessings of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not preaching. To preach means to proclaim and pronounce the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preaching comes from the natural mind, Prophecy is the mind of the Holy Spirit speaking to us in a supernatural utterance. Preaching can be inspired or anointed, not supernatural. Prophecy is always supernatural. Prophecy is a supernatural utterance that comes from a person who is anointed to speak the treasures of God to the body of Christ. Hmm. Interesting. The gift of prophecy is not rebuke. There is no element of rebuke and prophecy. There's always encouragement. In the New Testament, correction comes not from prophecy, but from preaching the word with doctrine. Paul dealt with excesses as a teacher, a pastor, and apostle, but never through the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not a ministry of criticism. Prophecy is not one person's opinion against another. It's a divine operation under the anointing of God, designed to warn men and women of sin or shortcoming so they might be ready when Jesus comes. The gift of prophecy can lift a Christian out of his depression, his negligence, and his lukewarmness and put him back into the mainstream of thrust of God. Okay. So when he's talking about the gift of prophecy is not preaching, it was interesting to me because, like I say, you know, I basically, my sermons come from me on Sunday morning getting, sitting down and getting in, to the spirit, and then from there, God um, reveals to me what it is he wants to say. So I was like, hmm, uh-huh. I can see that one. Definitely see that one. The gift of prophecy is not rebuke. So he's saying that the rebuke, in other words, when someone is in error, does not come from prophecy. It comes from correction or from the doctrines and teachings of God. But that's different from prophecy. So basically, now right now, like I said, this is a grad, grad, grad course here. So he's not saying that someone will not rebuke you, but he's saying when that happens, that's not coming from prophecy. It's just coming from a teaching position or a pastoral position. <clears throat> the gift of prophecy is not a ministry or criticism. When you, that's that, anytime you criticize, that means you're trying to put your opinion on what you think. Criticism and rebuke are two different things. So often we get caught in what we think and what we feel, but it all boils down to what does God want to be done. So often we're caught in the criticism because we're trying to get our point of view, point of view across. How about getting into one accord? and hearing from God what he wants to be done. That's what he's designed to do. 
I got to take them to church. Um, if anybody's got a comment, I'll switch phones and not let the music play for a minute. Got to find my keys.
Come back. So, we're talking about the gift of prophecy. Talking about it's not preaching, it's not rebuke, and it's not um, ministry, it's criticism. The threefold purpose of prophecy. Gift of prophecy is for three reasons. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification, to edify means to build up. The gift of prophecy will build up the church of Jesus Christ. If a man is weak spiritually, it will build him up. If a woman is afraid, it will remove the fear. This gift of prophecy in its root meaning signifies to erect, to strengthen, to build up. There are multitudes of Christians today who are in great need of having their spiritual lives built up and strengthened. This is why the gifts of inspiration were given to the church by the Holy Spirit. Mm. If a man is weak spiritually, it will build him up. If a woman is afraid, it will move with fear. To edify, to build up. All right then. So God's giving us up to take his children and give them what they need in order for them to persevere, to press their way through. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 18, Paul wrote, I think, uh, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. No doubt the reason Paul spoke in tongues more than the entire Corinthian church fellowship was his desire to be built up. I'm going to say desire. I'm going to say necessity. Because if you look at what all Paul went through, then it was a necessity. You know, just like I was talking about me walking downtown yesterday. You know, it's a necessity in order for you to stay in your right position. What I mean by right position is what, you know, God has positioned you but now, because of when life challenges come, we can get we can get dejected, we can get upset, and then we'll lose face, we'll lose connection, and so what God has positioned us, we'll start to be moved out of position. See, that's another trick of the enemy. So I'm gonna say it's, it's more than a desire. I'm gonna say it's a necessity. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than y'all. No doubt, the reason Paul spoke in tongues more than the entire Corinthian church fellowship was his desire to be built up. This is one of the secrets of his amazing spiritual strength. Exhortation. In exhortation, we have a call to encouragement. Many times I've heard, the word, I've heard a word of prophecy that will exhort a church fellowship to holiness, consecration, and separation from the world. Many times when the devil discourages us, this gift of prophecy will encourage us. It can bring an exhortation. Jesus is coming soon. Don't stop here. Don't let the world come in like a flood. Keep moving with God. It exhorts us to keep ourselves built up and strong in God. There have been times when a word of exhortation has changed my life. I can feel the Holy Spirit speaking with such forceful words through a person. Mm. Hmm. Call to encouragement. Why would we need to be in courage? Oh, because believing God is easy. All you got to do is believe and just walk out there and manifest itself. <laughs> mm-hmm. All I got to do is confess the word of God or believe one of his promises and, yep, I got it already. Mm-hmm. God bless your ministry. That's all I'm going to say.
Were you being facetious when you said that? Of course not. Doesn't doesn't it sound realistic? Oh, okay. Because I was like, he's lost his mind. Let me check first. <laughs> okay. I basically said, I said, you know, because believing in God is easy. All you got to do is confess his word and bam, you got it. You know, don't take no, don't take nothing to do it. Just yet. Hmm? I'm I'm trying to, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I was calling myself multitasking. And I, I lost train of where we were at in the and what you were doing. <laughs> so I just well, had to play catch up. Okay, okay. Well, I'm gonna come back to exhortation. And the first word it says, in exhortation, we have a call to encouragement. That's the first sentence. Okay. And then I was saying, why do we need to be encouraged? I mean, because believing in God, it doesn't take anything. All you got to do is believe His promises, and bam, you got it. You know, confess a word all your life. Oh yeah, you know, I'm I got it. I don't have to be encouraged in believing God. I don't have to be encouraged to stand on His word. No, you know, it's simple. You know what? And the thing is, you laugh, but I mean, it depends on it depends on who you are and where you are. That's why he said, like with with children, children are easier. Those who those who catch it when they're young, they're easier to believe in what God says than we are. So it depends on what experiences you've been through. I mean, you've seen the little kids who are all in for God at a young age, but that's because they haven't been through any trials or tribulations. So if they're caught at a young age, and as they grow up, you see their faith is strong because when they caught it at the young age that God will do what he says he's going to do, they have no problem with going through whatever the devil throws at them because they already believe that God will see them through. Now, for us who are catching it later in life, after we've been through some things, then, yeah, it's harder for us because we're like, well, I've been through this, X, Y, Z, A, B, the whole alphabet, all the numbers up to a billion. Yeah, it's going to take me a minute to believe. So, again, just like we we have faith in levels, everything is in levels based on where your seed has been planted. We'll go there. Where your seed has been planted will be how soon you believe in that seed. So, like my son, I hope he catches it now that God is real and that, you know, that that he will do what he says he's going to do because he hasn't been or seen anything that will make him think different or no different. So when he does start going through his, you know, when he gets into the um, the grown folk stage, it's already there. He already has roots planted, knowing that God is real, that God will honor His word, that God will, you know, that it's gonna take. 
It might take him having patience, but God will, will, will honor his word with him. But if he doesn't catch it now and doesn't catch it until he's 18, 21, and has dealt with boyfriend-girlfriend issues and all this other stuff, then it's going to be harder for him to see God as who he really is. Because what the Word of God says, suffer the suffer not the children to come unto me, because they're the ones who believe on me with with no with no problem. They 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 get me. They understand that I'm here and I'm real and I'm 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 who I say I am. It's the ones who have who have had issues and have dealt with the world that don't get it. So I mean, this okay. I'm on. I'm okay. I'm done. I'm sorry. Going back on you. But you know what, Sam? Listening to Felicia and she and her talking about her son and hoping that he gets it now, it made me think about Morgan because you know since she got it as a child, I mean just imagine the 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 mental state she would be in with what she's going through now if she didn't have that base, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, so it's true, you know, like what Felicia saying in, in, in the hopes for her son of hoping that he gets it now so that when, when life does occur <laughs> as he gets older, um, that he will have a foundation that, um, that he can stand on and, and know the direction in which you know that he needs to go. Not saying that it that it'll still be easy, but um, but he'll be further along than than others. Mm-hmm. Amen. I'll just keep reading. <laughs> so I just said in exhortation. We have a call to encouragement. Many times I've heard a word of prophecy that will exhort a church fellowship to holiness, consecration, and separation from the world. Many times when the devil discourages us, this gift of prophecy will encourage us. It can bring an exhortation. Jesus is coming soon. Don't stop here. Don't let the world come in like a flood. Keep moving with God. It exhorts us to keep ourselves built up and strong in God. There have been times when a word of exhortation has changed my life. I could feel the Holy Spirit speaking such forceful words to a person. Comfort. The Greek word for comfort is consolation, mm. which includes the healing of distress. Oh, Jesus, really getting Okay. The Greek word for comfort is consolation, which would include the healing of distress, of sorrow, of persecution, and of suffering. We live in a world of broken lives, broken homes. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jesus. That guy got so many jokes. Y'all just... Okay. We live in a world of broken lives, broken homes, broken ambitions. People today do not necessarily need sympathy or pity They need comfort. The church needs divine comfort from the Holy Spirit to bring heaven's healing into their hearts. It is our duty 
and our privilege to come to the church and say, Lord, we want the tenderest of the gifts to function. We want prophecy to function. Hmm. People don't need sympathy or pity. They need comfort. Interesting. Some people who come to our churches are so sad, they don't know what to do. Some of them are actually contemplating suicide. If there's anything we should give these people, it's comfort. Healing of the inner person. Healing of the memories. Healing of sadness and depression. We can do through the praises of God and through sincere fellowship with our brothers and sisters in the body. We can bring comfort when we shake hands with one another, embrace one another. We can say the Lord comforts you and bless you. Mm. Healing of sadness, depression. Healing of memories. Healing of the inner person. Oh, Jesus. That's what the body needs. That's what the world needs. Mm. More than just words. But when the power of God comes forth through the word, it's a difference. See, that's the consolation that he's talking about. <sighs> These three ministries of prophecy, edification, exhortation, and comfort, should be functioning in every prayer group and church fellowship. If prophecy is the tenderest of all the gifts, how much should it function in all our lives? This gift is available not to just a few, but to the total church. Begin now by saying, Lord, I want these gifts to function in my life. If you are sincere, God will cause these gifts to function in and through you. He wants you to be an instrument he can use to edify, exhort, and comfort his people. According to 1 Corinthians 14 and 32, the possessor of the gift of prophecy can control the gift. Mm. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Whenever a person says of their utterance, I can't stop doing this, you can be sure that an alien spirit is involved. At no time is a person bound by the manifestation of a spiritual gift. Okay. Because bottom line, you, ooh, you know what? Interesting. I'm going to read that again. According to 1 Corinthians 14 and 32, the possessor of the gift of prophecy can control that gift. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Whenever a person says of their utterances, I can't stop doing this, you can be sure that an alien spirit is involved. And no time is a person bound by the manifestation of the spiritual gift. Why would that be? Because God's not going to violate your will. God's not going to violate your will to get you saved. Just like like Sherry was talking about in her dream, the praises of God started pulling her out of the situation. Me and Vanessa was talking about earlier. 
just standing. All these are choices that we make. And God, being God in this dispensation is not going to override your will. You have to make a choice to let him be God. You have to make a choice to be saved. You have to make a choice to seek him. He's not going to violate your choice. So now he's saying the gift of prophecy, the, the, the gift of prophecy, the possessor of the gift of prophecy can control the gift. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Well, that's a twofold street. Meaning I can allow it to flow through me or not. Okay, Pam, you had to dream about speaking in tongues. You can speak in tongues. You've done it before. But whatever blockages to keep you doing it is coming from you. You're controlling it, though you may not see it nor understand it at this point. It's the same thing. I was talking to somebody the other day about when, when, when uh, God was talking to me, Mark, and Erica, and I was trying to say what he told me in a nice way, and Mark pretty much just said it the way I heard it, and I couldn't do nothing but laugh. I was trying to give the I mean, okay, because of the fact that we do this often, God begins to work. He begins to show us, give me things. Sometimes I, it just comes straight out. Sometimes I'll just try to frame it. It just kind of very depends. Just depends. But you know, it, because again, because we do it so often, I'm I'm constantly speaking in tongue and stuff that I, you know, he that I'm familiar with. It. So sometimes God will begin to show me something or tell me something, and I can say the essence of what he's saying in a, in a, a particular type of way. Sometimes it just comes out. But that's what he's talking about. The possessor of the gift has control of the gift. This is the difference between being controlled by the devil and being controlled by God. You can stop God and grieve the Holy Spirit at any time. You are not under bondage of the Holy Spirit. You work with him and flow with him because you want to. You have to keep flowing in the spirit if you expect the gifts to operate in you and through you. So what does it mean by that, spirit, soul, and body? Anytime you say, I'm going I'm to I'm bend to my will, not to the Holy Spirit's will, then you're flowing in you. Anytime you start doing things out of your mind, not the mind of Christ, you're flowing in you. At any time you you quit yielding to what God wants you to do, you're flowing in you. You could even be doing something God wants you to do, but not doing it the way at the time because you have taken control over it. Perfect example I always talk about. We got to go downtown. God told me to take the red line. I choose to go get in the car with Mark and go downtown. I'm flowing in me. I still go downtown, but I didn't go the way God wanted me to go. So anytime you make a decision that I'm going to do what I want to do, the way I want to do it, I stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 14.29 tells how the gifts of prophecy is regulated. Let the prophets speak two or three and let, others, let the other judge. First Corinthians 14.29 tells how the gift of prophecy is regulated. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. There should be at the most only three messages of prophecy in one meeting. Even if you should feel a thrust to prophesy, 
you should control it if God has already spoken three times. The word says that is enough for one service. Hmm. Interesting. Verse 33 tells how this gift can be safeguarded and protected. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Interesting. Never heard that before. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 20, we are told plainly, despise not prophesying, some pastors and ministers do not want the gift of prophecy to function in their church because they cannot personally control it. Hello. Here we go. When dealing with the supernatural, there's a certain element of danger involved, which is true with so many things. Driving an automobile or flying an airplane can be dangerous. Anything worth very much can be somewhat dangerous. Some pastors and ministers don't want to get the prophecy to function. That's because they want to have control. They want to know what's going on. And that's the same thing in our life. That's why we don't want to speak in tongues, because we don't know what we're saying. We don't, we don't control it. Truly leaning and trusting on God, you don't control it. That's why most people won't do it. And like Felicia said, there's certain levels of everything. There's another level. There's another level, 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 level. We talk about it, but walking it out is a whole other thing. When the gifts of the Spirit are not functioning properly, they can be dangerous to the church. You can have fire in the basement of a building, but as long as the fire is inside the furnace, there's no problem. Should that fire be outside the furnace in the center of the room, you would have trouble. Though it is the same fire, it is in the wrong place. The gifts of the Spirit have a proper place and a proper time. To function best, they should function at that place and time. Romans 12, 6 says, Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. If a person prophesies things that do not come to pass, he is speaking beyond his faith and he should stop. The Apostle Paul wrote these verses to 1 Timothy. I wrote these words to Timothy. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee, 2 Timothy 1 and 6. No doubt the gift he was speaking of was a gift of prophecy. All right, that's our lesson. I'm stopping. Questions, comments, criticism, conclusions. So if three people have prophesied the same thing, then then no one else should should prophesy about about that 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 item, subject or what have you, or if it's just three people that have prophesied, period. I'm going back to that, so let me see. Give me a second. It says, 1 Corinthians 14.9 tells how the gift of prophecy is regulated. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. That should only be three messages of prophecy. So three messages should be three, probably three different things. Okay. In a meeting, in like in a particular thing. And I, and in that aspect, because, I mean, you know, honestly, you can only absorb so much. Right. You know, um, I know my pastor, a while back, he would talk that he would only speak of what the pull he felt on him. In other words, like, he could say a lot, a whole lot of stuff, but if people weren't ready for it, 
then he wouldn't go there. He got to the point he could feel that pull, and that's as far as he would go. And even in all honesty, you know, and not I've got, gotten to talk to Nate, because, see, Nate was my pastor's um, armor bearer. There's a whole lot of stuff going on more than I knew. They were raising dead and all kind of stuff. I like, oh, I didn't know nothing about all that. You know, Nate talks about the time that guy could cut his throat, and they brought him back to life. So, you know, yeah. Oh, Jesus, really? All right, anybody got anything? I'm tired, dude. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, anybody else got anything going once? Yeah, just for you. I said, yep, just for you. Want to watch? Oh, he about to do his pretty boy stuff. Oh, hey, Mark wants to say something, y'all. Here you go. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Guys, it's time to go get it right now, whatever it is. That thing that's been on your heart, God said it's time to pursue it today. In Jesus' name, that is all. Amen. Hey, you talk about the same thing we just talked about. Oh, yeah, everybody can prophesy, but everybody can prophesy. That's what we talk Margaret, hey, you want to talk online? We just talking about that. Here. Go ahead. What? Huh? What? Go ahead and tell We just talking about it. Oh, yeah. Everybody can prophesy, but everybody's not called to the office of a prophet. You can prophesy to yourself. Because all you're doing is speaking the word over your own life. But everybody's not called to a prophet. Because in order to be a prophet, there's some heavy, heavy things you got to go through. And everybody's not willing to walk down that road. That is all. See, he was asleep, but he was actually tuned into the spirit. <laughs> Anybody else got anything going once? Anybody else got anything going twice? Anybody's got anything going three times? Oh, yeah, one more thing. Okay, he got one more thing. Here he is. <laughs> it's also time financial prosperity to hit everybody's house. Everybody whose ministry is represented on this call is represented. I speak as a man of God. Prosperity like never before in the mighty name of Jesus. Open up your heart to receive. Open up your heart to open up your hands to give. Because if your hands aren't open to give, they won't be open to receive. In Jesus' name. That is all. Amen.
Okie dokie, Smokey. Alright. I guess I'll use this. Who's that? Huh? Who was that? Oh, that's Mark. Okay. That's my replacement for Morgan and Charles. I, I guess this is the house of... Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You, you know what? I'm coming in off. You slap your behind on that one. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, she came in for her lunch break. So did. You are this. What? Get my room. Mm-hmm. But... You know you're going to need more I'm than room. I'm running back on me I'm running back on you. No, 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 no. Since she won, I want to make sure you get your prayer before you go back to your lunch break and your babies. See, God didn't bring you on here to give you a two cent. He came on for you to get blessed. Mm-hmm. I'm, standing, I'm standing in the window right now watching them. I'm trying to recess. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord, help me, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at them right now. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got about three minutes. Okay, Matthew, I'm going to let Mark pray for you. Here you go, Mark. Pray for Who? That's Lisa. Pray for Lisa. Mm-hmm. Who is Lisa? I got some woman on the line. Woman on the line? Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, as I come before you in prayer, I lift up Lisa before you right now, Lord God. Father, there's so much on her heart right now. There's so much she desires to do in the mighty name of Jesus. And I ask you to bless her with wisdom, revelation, knowledge concerning you through your word and through Holy Spirit, that you will lead God and direct her path, Lord God, that she will do that you what she will do what you have called her to do in this day and time. And that not only you will bless her, but you will allow her to be a blessing to those that are around her in Jesus' name, because there are special blessings that you have designed for her life, that she must be, that she must be to other people. She is a giver at heart and increase her capacity to give in the mighty name of Jesus because the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. She is rich in Jesus' name. And in order to be rich, she must be a blessing before she can receive the blessing. And we give your name the praise of going down the forward, and we say go forth in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Wow! Did you did he just come? Did he just come on here and do that and roll back out? Yeah, pretty much. Oh my God! Yeah, he just got to say that is all. Wow! Wow! Oh, I have I I have nothing to say. I'm about to eat these peanut M and M's. I have nothing to say. Thank you, sir. Okay, no problem. She's been blessed. That's what matters. So who's next? No, you didn't stir them up now. Oh, we take you taking prayer now? Yeah, we taking prayer. I'll step up next. All right. Father God. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to pray for Nene. I want you to move in her life. In a unique fashion, Father. Let her begin to experience you in ways and in manners that she has never done before. Touch her. Move in her. Keep her. Uplift and encourage her, Father. Allow her to rise up to be used by you, Holy Spirit. 
caused a separation of the spirit and the soul in her life that she will be able to draw from you. She will be able to move in you. She'll be able to increase in you in manner she has not done before. Begin to touch her entire being as your hand is laid out before her, Lord. Help her to become the woman of God that you called her to be, Father, so she can truly walk out in the blessings that you desire for her to have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Well, I gotta fight. I'm all right to live. I ain't trying to write the party no dog on more. Oh, Father God, who wants prayer? You can pray for me next. Holy Spirit, let me pray for Pamela. Pray for her fam. Randy go sushi to 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 go go sushi to go sushi to go sushi to go Allow her family to see you. Allow her family to believe in you, to walk with you. Take her family by the hand and draw them closer to you, Lord, so they can begin to know and experience your saving grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'll take prayer. This is Gigi. Oh, hey, Gigi, how you be? Hey, I'm okay. Thanks for asking. How about you guys? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Good, good. Pray for Pam and I'm going to pray for you, Gigi, okay? Okay, thank you. Oh, that's funny. So, you know, you know, you've seen different movies or different things where somebody has a rope tied on them. And they're standing there, and then the rope goes off the edge of the building or into the water or whatever. All of a sudden, a person is yanked, and they go in the direction of wherever the rope is going. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty much what's happening to you. You've got a rope tied around you by the Holy Ghost. Now, you can cut the because we said God's not going to violate your will. You can cut the rope. But... As long as that rope is tied on you, it's causing you to go deeper. It's causing you to go beyond your comfort zone. And you're like, what? You really only touch the surface of where God is taking you to. But again, 
you'll never discover to whom you are, your gifting or what your capabilities are until you begin to use that what's inside of you. So where God is pulling you to, it is in situations and circumstances which will allow your gifting to begin to arise to manifest so you can be used by him. And the thing about it, by cutting the rope, which I know Erica talks about, even TV talked about, by cutting that rope, you know what, i got to cut these people out, excuse me. Hello? No, wrong people to cuss out. Anyway. Um, by going cutting the rope, the thing is, you're in so deep, the only way out is to go through. And we want to cut loose. We want to get off. We want to stop, but I think he even read something about it the other day, but when you when you stop the processes that are necessary need for you're literally in a limbo. I think I heard Joyce say something about it this morning because I sure did. That you know for a moment everything is all right, but then we all know we got to repeat the course. So we can make a choice to persevere. We can make a choice to keep pressing. We can make a choice to keep trusting God. You can say, Lord, I'm done. Cut the rope and then walk in self and see what happens. So, woman of God, I understand. God bless your ministry. Peace. Amen. Why don't you just say, and that is all? Well, that's what Mark said. Amen. <laughs> I'm gonna cuss some people out this morning. I'm in a cuss. I'm in a Mama Regina mood. All right, who's next? <laughs> like, oh, you really think I'm going to ask for prayer? That <laughs> you say you going to cuss some people? <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, who's next? Gigi. Oh, I forgot. Thank you, Gigi. You're welcome. Man. I got I got issues going on in my life right now. I'm just I'm just kind of everywhere. No. Oh, okay, woman of God. I ain't heard your voice in a minute, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Deko hondo ramboko se dekando ko serara kandi kido kumboko sa pa. Father God, this woman of God, mm, I'm going to just go ahead and say it like this, which when I say it, you're going to probably feel very, very uncomfortable. 
but I got to say what I'm hearing. This prophetess of God, see, I don't think you like to be called in that vein because I think you know the accountability that comes with it, but you're finding yourself being pulled more and more in that vein where you are walking in the office of a prophetess. And we just talked about the difference between prophesying and being a prophet. You're called to be a prophet, woman of God, a prophetess, since you're a female. And deep down inside of your spirit, you know it and have known it, but really accepting and walking in it, you have actually have run from it. There have been many a time where a guy said, you need to speak to that person. You need to pray for that person. You need, and you will say, mm, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe later. Or you try to weasel out of it. Or then after the opportunity has passed, you say, man, I should have done it. Because, see, that's God stirring up your spirit in that arena and say, I need you to walk in this. See, he has assignments that need to be done, and he's called you to, to some particular assignments that only you can do. So he's stirring up your gifting. He is allowing you to hear and to see his face, his voice. He's bringing people across your way that you need to speak life over. We just talked about the gift of prophecy, edification, comfort, exhortation. There are people God's bringing your way that you need to literally need to speak life over. They're struggling, and see, you know, and see, this is where I, I, I'm pretty sure you can relate. How can I speak life over somebody when I'm struggling myself? How, how can I tell somebody to be encouraged? Well, hell, I'm I'm I'm, I'm mad myself. I'm pissed myself. Mm-hmm. Lord, why are you calling on me to do something when you know I really just ain't in the mood or don't want to be bothered? <laughs> ah, and Jesus said, what, you think I wanted to go to the cross? You think I really enjoyed taking off my deity? Hmm. But I did it because I love you. Oh, Jesus. Now you... Whoo. Mm-hmm. Mm. Father God I did it because I knew you would need me In a way that you could not have me Unless I did what needed to be done To fulfill my role So then one day you could access my power and my ability And it would be able to come inside of you And I would empower you to do that Which you don't want to do I will strengthen you to minister to those people that are sitting your way. I will give you the words that need to be spoke over their life when you don't even understand yourself. When you are on your own last piece, I will send somebody to bless you because you've been obedient to do what I called you to do. So walk in that role, woman of God. Accept what God, who God ordained you to be. God chose you to be a prophetess. God calls you to walk in that office. And if you like me, you go, okay, Lord, I guess you know what you're doing because I show. <laughs> you know, we just sometimes got to say, yes, God, all right, I guess you know what you're doing. Because it's a struggle. And, and that's where we miss it, being real. This is a struggle. 
Like I said earlier, believing in God is real quick and easy. Yeah, yeah, okay. Some people will say that, but you know they're not mature. But like Felicia said, you know, when you're older and you've been through life, see, that, that, that younger version, that's when we want, want coming out of our soul. We're carnal Christians, and I mean in a sense we're soulless. We're excited. We're enthusiastic. Yeah, God, get the hell beat out of you for a while and still believe God. Get everything taken from you and still talk about his promises. Be on your sick bed and still give him glory. Come on now. See, see, that's when God says, see, now that's a sir. That's somebody who trusts me. <laughs> see, see, that's when God will give you some power. When somebody cusses you, slaps you, spits on you, kicks you, and you look at them and say, I forgive you because I know you don't know what you're doing. I know that's a spirit attached to you that's causing you to do the foolishness that you're doing. <sighs> like our president. Did I say that? Oops. So yeah, you up. Yeah, I did that. Let God increase in you. Let God use you for his glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And Gigi says, and that is why I'm not coming back on this line for three months. <laughs> hey, man, I've never heard that before. This is all new to me. I've heard motivational speaker all my life. I've never really heard prophet, so I'm really, like, in shock right now. Like, wait, wait, that's Gigi you talking to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? See, now, see, good. See, this is what you do. So quiet time, you and God go have a conversation. Say, now, Lord, now, this is what he, now, now you, you, let, let, you begin to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And then, right. that's when you get on your one-on-one with his book, and then y'all start talking. And I might be wrong. So go find out, and then let me know. <laughs> okay. Man, you're saying you should sure, no problem. Huh? I know, right? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.